We just be chilling on this hoop journey. Got my man Corbs doing the producing. It's tight. Everybody knows that the way we do it is right. Shaking up my drink and doing my thing. We out here just trying to chase this championship ring. And it's all good and it's all right. Like I said before, you know my freestyle is tight. <laughs> never slipping, never stepping. We do it off wax. Better back the F up before I push you off the tracks. I'm real. I'm the man. I ain't fake. And I can spit more bars than your boy, Drake. Yeah, you heard that. You just don't know. I'm talking to you from out east, Scotty Moe. Drake in the top five. He ain't even a top five rapper alive. Get up off me. That's how we do. Let's move on to the next episode of a Hoops Journey, foo. Yes, we are here. Episode 18 of a Hoops Journey. And finally, we have, within social distance, it's going to be weird because we actually have to make eye contact with people now, Corbs. Um, we, well, Corbin especially, was like, we cannot have this guy on the podcast until we have him in the same room. And we are honored and super fortunate to have a good friend of mine, good coaching buddy over the years, a regular at the Chancellor Tournament, uh, a guy who has given up a lot of time, energy, and effort to basketball in East Van, has developed and grown a great program, and has an amazing story that I think not many people really know about you, um, unless they see you uh, rubbing your beard at a game and uh, talk to you after, but then we know that story they give you would be not true. So anyways, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Gurley. How are you, sir? Uh, very good. Uh, very pleased to be here, I assure you. Honored. <laughs> and it's nice to actually um, be to a point with COVID where we can actually sit in the same room up far apart, but uh, enjoy a coffee and some laughs. And how, you know, knowing we've chatted offline as well, uh, we keep in good touch. But just like, you know, you're a, you're a businessman, you run your own business. And I know that um, there's been some challenges with COVID. And how have you and your family been doing? You're also a grandpa. Right. And, you know, you got Mr. Wu, who you love to hang out with. So how have you guys adjusted and and um, and how have you managed through all this stuff? Well, we actually haven't been able to work since March 10th. And what we have to be looking at is, is that no one really knows the answer at the present moment. on how how is it going to be to bring school back in? No one. I don't. Everyone, every person I speak with, superintendent, teacher, they're going, I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, Dr. Bonnie's, you know, is going to release in the next couple of weeks how we're going to do it. So um, our, our program, Safe Teen, Powerful Alternatives to Violence, has been dramatically uh, impacted by COVID in regard to that we can't go in. Our program is very, very interactive. Um, uh, program working with the kids de-escalating violent situations um, whether it be um, uh, verbally or, or physically uh, both in both cases so um, we're looking at how, how can we come into the schools 
in in the fall uh, how is that going to work whether you know we know for a fact that uh, you know you can zoom for 25 minutes and you're going to lose the kids they're gone um, so our program's two and a half hours um, it's uh, it's going to be difficult but uh, we're going to try and uh, you know get things in order uh, whether it be selling the uh, program as a package um, or taking it online uh, but it is a challenge there's no doubt about it yeah. just as it's a t- challenge for every teacher educator for sure um and yeah good i wanted to give that a little bit of a plug because i know you know obviously we've had people in and out in our school too but i've read your website and know so where can people find that and look in and we have a lot of teacher coaches that are listening to this and maybe are interested in what you guys are doing because i think um you're right like what you guys do provide it doesn't have the same effect just like teaching, but even more because what you guys are doing with young people, like you need those people in the room to kind of feel the room, to feel the message, to have people feel comfortable and vulnerable enough to share their story or listen and and just talk a little bit about what Safe Teen is and, you know, just expand a little bit more on that because I think it's important. Where where can the community find you to look more into it? Well, it's uh, you can just simply go online, uh, you know, uh, www.safeteen.ca, um, our, uh, our website. Uh, you know, it, it, the interesting thing about it is how important it's actually going to be for the youth when they come back after isolation, after the subject matter of Black Lives Matter, um, you know, uh, coming up and being so prevalent today. Um, this is, you know, one of the big things that Safe Teen talks about. We, we you know, we talk about racism. We talk about misogyny. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we, we the, a number of subjects that the kids, um, they may not think about, they may not talk about beforehand, you know, like what... Well, what's the big deal about Black Lives Matter? Well, you know, what's uh, I, there's no such thing as white privileged, really. Okay, so you walk down the street with a packet of skillets and see if some skittles and see if someone shoots you. I, I mean, it's so uh, there's going to be an awful lot of uh, strangeness for the kids coming back into the uh, into the classroom, into the school situation. Um, you know, bullying uh, that this is where Safe Teen came from originally was is that uh, it was violence prevention, but where it was embraced within the school systems uh, was through the bullying aspect. Whether it be you know, uh, and then all of a sudden it became online with uh, the social media, the bullying online. Um, you know, it's a turbulent time for teenagers um, in, in, in any era. It's always strange because they're just dealing with all these emo- emotions and all these hormones, and everything's changing. And you know, the social, you know, whether it be the media in general. Now that we have social media, but the media, media in general. You know, oftentimes the the conversation goes on about, you know, poor young women in body image and you're supposed to be skinny and you're supposed to be built like Pamela Anderson. I'm, am I dating myself by saying? You are, but, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. I get the visual. Yeah, yeah. you get the visual. Yeah. Okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, X amount of years ago, uh, it came on for the young men. Well, you got to have a six pack and you got to, you know, be hairless and manscape and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know. Uh, you're like myself. We've been kicked out of pools before for wearing, um, wearing, sir, sir, you must take that fur coat off. You're not allowed in the pool. Um, Nair is a powerful thing. Let me tell you. Yeah. Nair. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, those those the social pressures to to those young men. Um, so it, it's even more important for safety to be in. But wow, I just don't know how at the present moment we just don't know how it's going to work. But we are working on it. So. Good. Good. And thanks for sharing that. I think it's important, um, you know, the work that you do. And, and one of the points of this podcast is to kind of just highlight people's lives from basketball, but everything else. And I think, you know, like I mentioned, someone comes to the LEC, watches the Tupper Tigers play, loves the style they play, but maybe don't know anything about you. Right. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you do, because it's you're not just a coach. What you actually do, you're also working with not even your own kids, other people in the community. So very good stuff. And I would invite a lot of people to, to look you guys up and, and support if they're looking for a way to kind of, cause next year, if you're looking for a way to kind of get rid of your budget, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm just, cause it's not going to be the same. And, um, and hopefully you guys can, you know, keep afloat and figure some things out. And, uh, and, and I know that, uh, you'll be creative and figure that out. So we're going to give it a shot. Awesome. <laughs> Um, all right, let's get into it here. So tell us a little bit about a young Jeff Gurley. All right. Where, where, where does Jeff Gurley grow up? What, what is it like? And how does not necessarily just basketball, um, unless I, it, you know, if you did play other sports, but how does sport come into your life at a young age? Um, I guess the, uh, the strangeness of it all was, uh, you know, you can take a look at all my class pictures from the time I'm in kindergarten and I'm the same height as the teacher, um, or taller as the years go on. Um, <laughs> Back in I whatever the year this was nineteen seventy, um, uh, you know you don't I, have to give years if you don't want. Okay, it's fair enough. To, it's up it, to you. I'll leave yeah, that up yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know I've, I'm the exact same height as I am today, and I was in grade six. Um, as the old story goes, uh, you know, in grade six I could dunk a tennis ball. In grade seven I could dunk a volleyball. In grade eight I could dunk a basketball. Um, I was, uh, and and I played at a very, very high level and I was pulled in to play at a high level at a very, very young age. Um, in grade seven, uh, my team won the, or the team I was on, I should say, uh, won the Eastern Canadian, uh, championship. Uh, they actually had that back in the day. And, um, from there, of course, you know, uh, I guess it's the weird part about this. And this was before the internet. Coaches found out about me. Hey, there's this kid who's 12 years old who's yeah. dunking in warm up, and jeez, uh, yeah. Um, that was high school, eight to 12. No, um, in no, in because um, I, I was in both New Brunswick and uh, Nova Scotia. My okay. dad got my dad was in government and got transferred and transferred and transferred. Gotcha. So, uh, uh, and I was just real fortunate in those transfers uh, in that um, I was in Fredericton, New Brunswick for grade seven, which is just an illustrious basketball program there. Mm-hmm. Well, they, uh, the, you know, the, the, my former high school team, the Black Cats, they just, they were at the uh, Victoria tournament this, uh, this winter and they, they blew everybody out like. Oh, it was that team. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's, that was, that was high my school. high school team, yeah. Oh, no way. Um, and uh, so uh, th- from there, my dad got transferred, and very fortunately, I got transferred uh, to Amherst, Nova Scotia, the very first spot when you go over the border from New Brunswick to Nova Scotia. It's the very first place you hit, little tiny town. And uh, But fortunately, there was a gentleman there by the name of Andy Cranick, and Andy Cranick was... 
uh, high school All-American from Pittsburgh, who Stu Aberdeen, who's like a grandfather to me. Uh, I don't know you, 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 you know Stu Aberdeen? No? Don't know the name. See, there's a great point for Canadian history. The actual university uh, or U-sport coach of the year receives the Stu Aberdeen trophy. Uh, Stu Aberdeen actually revitalized the Canadian Olympic program back in the 1960s, and there's some great, great stories uh, about that. Anyway, mm-hmm. Stu went to Acadia, and he brought in as many Americans as he could bring in, mm-hmm. and from there he became the associate coach, and that's where the term came from, at the University of Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then he became the head coach at Marshall University the year after the plane went down. There's a lot of fun. Oh, wow. uh, anyway, mm-hmm. so Andy Cranick was a high school teacher in Amherst, Nova Scotia, and the head basketball coach. And he put me on the high school team in grade 8. And he beat the living shit out of me all practice long, every practice, and telling me constantly, you're not such hot You're not so good. Mm-hmm. you got to learn how to be tough, kid. And, and Andy was a big big ass man he was six foot five 200 and god knows what uh all canadian uh at acadia university won the national championship once maybe twice was in the finals i believe three times with cochini who i played for at saint mary's so anyway that was an incredible experience working with him Mm -hmm. my dad got transferred back to fredericton high prior to fredericton and uh, my high school coach uh, at Fredericton High School is absolutely 100% legendary. It's interesting how everybody treats Bill Disborough like a god around here because he won the provincial championship like five times. Mm. Uh, Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coach Cotter won the provincial championship 29 times. And... Um, He's now the, he still coaches. He's the assistant coach at uh, the University of New Brunswick women's team. Has been for the, since he retired, I think for seven years now. He's been there. Shout out Jeff Cotter. Jeff Cotter, yes. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Named son, after me. His son actually, no way. Yeah. Son actually came out and played uh, at Langara under Kev. And so a few of the guys would know him. And we had the opportunity to have lunch with him. Was that two summers ago now? Or was two, that last summer? Two, two summers. No, yeah. two, two winters. Uh, two, Christmas. Oh, it was. Because he, right. he was over with his kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yes, indeed. I've, 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 I met Jeff Cotter, I think, within the first three days he was born. Mm. I can't believe he doesn't remember me. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, but Coach Cotter was absolutely amazing. We played a vast majority of our games in the United States. Mm. Uh, he, he was... He's literally, literally like a father to mm-hmm. me. Um, both he and Coach Heaney. Um, yeah. And uh, what happened from there was is that, uh, I mean, I'm jumping all over the place, but what happened was uh, I uh, went to St. Mary's basketball camp uh, in grade eight. And that's the first time I met Coach Heaney. And I decided that summer I wanted to be a Husky and I wanted to play at St. Mary's. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, at the end of camp every day, all the counselors would come in and play. And at grade eight, he allowed me to play mm-hmm. with the counselors. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, I'm playing. There's the professor Lee Thomas, Dr. Fred Perry, 
the you know Mickey Is that Fox. related to Fred Perry, who's Fred Perry's kid played at Saint of X. Yeah, his father. Yeah. What so a, he was on those teams with Randy and Max and Jordan Croucher and all those guys. That's uh, yeah. who we lost to when I was in Brandon. Yeah, Fred Perry was Fred serious P- Hooper, yeah. Fred Perry Jr. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, every night I'd get to play with those those guys, and, and I'm yeah. in grade 8. And Can you touch a little bit on that? Like, just between that and your coach, you know, bringing you up to the varsity level and kind of, you know, you said beating the crap out of you every day. Just talk about, um, okay. just yeah, like how important it was for you to, because I think, you know, we've talked about it a few times, but just kids in this generation, I don't want to keep going there, but just how important it is to play against bigger, faster, stronger, and what that did for you mentally and physically as a player. It, it's it's um, very interesting conversation and great question. Um, you know, it, it's when I first started coaching in BC, uh, I, I threw myself into it and uh, I went to basketball BC. And uh, of course, Ross Tomlinson was there and... Um, I brought my certificate in, my coaching certificate, and Jack Donahoe had actually signed it. It was before they had presses for no it. Um, and, and everyone was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we've never seen anything. Like, they were <laughs> running around the office, you know. Um, and, uh, and, of course, I didn't know, but, you know, they checked up on me. Oh, yeah. And they phoned Ross Quackenbush at St. Mary's, yep. who was my teammate. And, uh, and, and Quack... In his typical, uh, yeah, he was a real phenom in high school and an okay college career. Uh, and, <laughs> and, it is, and it's the truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was one of those things. I mean, everywhere, you know, described in the St. Mary's program, uh, everywhere that's always described as phenom. Mm. And, I, you know, I was playing at, uh, at, a, at that level when I was very, very, very young. Now, I couldn't, I had a hard time scoring, mm. but I could rebound and box out. And mm. uh, that's, you know, brought the attention to a whole bunch of coaches. Because, mm. uh, you know, when I, in high school in grade eight and grade nine, I played for at the Amherst Vikings, the mm. renowned. We finished fourth at provincials both years. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, so you're suggesting you got noticed because you could rebound and box out? Like you coaches weren't just looking at you putting the ball in the hoop is that what oh, oh my god i could oh, wow. not put the ball in the hoop oh my god um in the semi-final game against saint pat's of halifax i don't know if this is true or not mickey fox told me it was true yeah uh that i, I got 29 rebounds i'm in grade nine in the semifinal game, I scored one point. I could not put, I could not put the ball in the hole. I mean, you, you got. I'm 13 years old, and I'm yeah. playing, and I'm playing against 19 year olds because yeah. back then you're allowed to play until you were 20, and then you couldn't play anymore. There was no like they, this rule here in BC always blew me away. What do you mean you're only allowed to play five years? Like. Yeah. What? I don't yeah, get yeah. it. You're allowed to play t- until you're 20, and and lots of people would. I mean, if you're loud. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I'm just oh, I'm um, I'm just going back to school to up my marks. Of course, of course. Wink, wink, nudge, wink. nudge. Yeah. <laughs> so I could not put the ball in the hole. Mm-hmm. I, now I, I started in grade nine. I was the sixth man in grade eight. Which mm-hmm. again, the same situation is that you know you're 12 years old and you're traveling around the province with a bunch of 19 year olds and 18 yeah. year olds yeah, and so yeah. on and so forth. So um, <laughs> you grew up fast. Um, yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I had those two years at Amherst. Then I went to Fredericton, and I, I now Fredericton was just a powerhouse. I mean, uh, 
I, I can't. I know I sent you the resume or whatever, but yeah. uh, in grade 11, we were the number seven team in Canada. In grade 12, the number four team. Because back then, there used to be a newspaper called The Starting Lineup. Okay. And uh, and they had all Canadian high school players. They had It was a monthly magazine that no came way. out. Yeah. And That's it was awesome. all about Canadian basketball. So, um, yeah. I just, where else to go from there? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 a vast majority of the work that I did uh, came in the summertime. Right. Um, so uh, that the grade... Uh, the summer of grade nine, I made the uh, official move of going to every basketball camp I could find. This is a great story. You're going to love this one. Yeah. Um, so uh, I go to. Uh, well, I think it's important too because I, you know, we're not super far in age, but we're a little bit. But even still, like for me growing up too, it was like you had to search out camps. That was your option. Like you went to the local university camps, and then if there were a couple good ones that maybe you would travel to, like my my parents took me down to Portland State one year and. Um, Portland one year like so that's just the way you got better if you weren't playing on the courts with buddies against other people you know camp was your option right yes well um I, uh, I, I used to hitchhike all over the Maritimes when I was 12 and 30. I, I'm the baby of my family beyond like I have a brother that's almost 80 for goodness sakes uh like uh you know uh and by, by that time my parents were like oh, okay yeah uh Oh, he's six foot two. He, he, it doesn't matter that he's 12. Where you go. Uh, <laughs> who's going to bother him? Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I hitchhiked to Acadia University and uh, went to camp there. And uh, the camps I'd been to before, they always said, write everything down. And this is one of the things I tell my kids all the time at our camps, write everything down. Because you're going to forget it if not. And... Uh, so uh, I, I went to Acadia University, and uh, I did not enroll at the camp. I brought a pup tent and a sleeping bag, and I planted it at just off the side of the football field. And I just got up every morning and walked into the cafeteria with all the other basketball players and ate. And then I'd walk into the lectures. And, uh, and Bob Cousy, the... The Coos, 50 greatest players of all time. That's a, that's a decent name drop for a hoops journey. Yeah. Bob Cousy. Wow. Okay. So, I, um, so I, I'm there with my clipboard, and, uh, and uh, Cousy wants a volunteer, and nobody volunteers. And he looks over, and uh, he sees me with the clipboard, and he says, you with the clipboard. So I get up, and... We start demonstrating, and, uh, you know, of course, he starts the whole thing. Oh, what's your name? And uh, Jeff. Uh, yeah. So for the rest of the week, every time he wanted to demonstrate, he'd say, Jeff, come on up here and demonstrate. <laughs> and at one point in time, you know, when the games are going on. Thank God there's no computers. No one's in the back looking up, Jeff, we don't have a Jeff at camp. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's no Jeff here. Yeah. So, um, so uh, you know, I'm, the games are going on during camps, and uh, some kid gets hurt. And um, one of the instructors turns around and says, oh, Jeff, is your team playing right now? And I went, no. <laughs> and he said, can you, can you play? And I said, yeah, okay, sure. Um, and so I, I, all of a sudden I'm on a team at camp and I'm playing. And then I'm playing with the counselors at night, uh, the same situation. And so the very last day of camp, I'm... Um, Don't tell me Bob Cousy's playing. No, no, no. No, no, he, wasn't. no, no. Okay. he, used to, oh, he, was, he was an old man even then. Okay, uh, yeah. okay. Um, he, um, 
so I'm walking out of town to head out to the highway because I have to go to another camp that's starting that day. <laughs> and I run into, and uh, I, I keep on, I was talking to Coach Heaney about this. I can't remember if it was Steve Pound or uh, Richie who played at uh, Acadia. And he said, well, Jeff, where are you going? Because everybody knew who I was. Yes. Where, where are you going? And no one knows his last name. They just yeah. know that he, Jeff, the kid from camp. <laughs> the kid with the, the clipboard. The kid with the clipboard. <laughs> and... Um, he, uh, I said, oh, I'm, I'm just heading out. And he says, well, are you going to lose a day of camp? And I said, well, I actually wasn't going to camp. Um, and off, and he just started laughing. And um, I just got out in the highway, hitchhiked into Halifax to another camp. Um, which, you know, leads to yet another story without the Internet is, is that Cochini, uh, I moved to Halifax in the summertime. The day school was over, and I lived on campus at St. Mary's. Um, in the summer of grade 10 because that way I got to play all day long. Right. And, you know, they just stuck me in a, a vacant dorm room. And So did Cochini even have to recruit you or you just were like so set on going to St. Mary's that oh, it was like, yeah, absolutely. From grade a, yeah. But okay. we also had an agreement and an understanding that um, I'm going to let every other school talk to me yeah. just because... It's yeah. good for my ego. Make you feel good. Yeah. Plus, and we go out for a few meals. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I was recruited by a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of schools. Um, anyway, um, so that, that was the summer of grade 10. So I got to do that. And then uh, the summer of grade 11, uh, Coach Heaney, um, well, he he really pulled the, the, the carpet out from everyone. He sent me all over the United States working at basketball camps, telling them I went to St. Mary's. And that's how I got into the University of Kentucky. And I worked there for a number of years in the summertime. It became the, actually the head counselor my last two years that I was there. And, um, okay, let's, let's name drop. Here we go. Let's go. Uh, one summer, we had 28 of the 100 high school all Americans at the camp. Now, there's 500 kids at camp, and I want to be perfectly clear. I was not coaching these guys. I was with the 14, 16 year olds. Right. But at night, but you're I, at camp. I'm at camp, and then they're older than you, but you're a counselor. No, nope. at that point in time, uh, they, 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 I, I'm, okay. I'm older. Gotcha. So. I was like, that would be a funny visual. Oh, well, there was, yeah. a, there was a big, big debate within the coach's room about this kid from Chicago. Oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's pretty good, and he's got a great reputation, and, you know, he's ranked number 11 or whatever it was uh, in the United States. But I don't know. Like, you know, Dirk Minifield's better. Um, uh, the, who they were arguing about was Isaiah Thomas. Um, Clark Kellogg came in. Uh, he was the number one player. Well, it was a debate between him and Ralph Sampson. They were both at camp. Uh, but Clark was a man among boys. He was, hey? Oh, yeah. my God. He was an axe handle across the shoulders. He was, like, strong as an ox. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, James Worthy. I'll go into great. Big game James. He was all right. He was all right. And yeah. when we're not recording, I have another story about that. But anyway. Yes. Uh, perfect. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dirk Minifield, Sam Bowie, um, Steve, I can never pronounce it correctly. I believe it's Stavanovich or something. Played at Florida. Uh, played in the NBA for a handful of years. He was like seven foot one or whatever. Um, mm. It was just player after player after player of the, the top. Now, three years later at Kentucky, uh, one of the uh, secretaries said, 
you guys aren't going to believe this, but he was here and absolutely nobody noticed him. Jordan. Jordan really? Was, Jordan was at camp that week. No way. Yeah. And no one like. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, huh. This was years. This was after he hit the shot to win the right. the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And for what was the secretary going through the because it was before computers, of course. You know? But Michael Jordan from where is he from? North Carolina, somewhere, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in North Carolina. Yeah, he was in the same high school. Yeah, it was Jordan was at the camp supposedly. Wow. Anyway, crazy. Um, but the very first year I was there, I was in grade eleven. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, and but I, Cochini sent me a cry. I worked at Marshall University. I worked uh, for Rick Barry basketball camp, Jerry West basketball. Camp. I believe I sent you that picture. Yep. Nice stash, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 then I saw so, like there were some really fascinating things. Tom Abernathy, so you yep. oh, you remember? Tom? Of course. Oh, jeez. Man, I thought that was way before your time. Um, I remember speaking with him and and him saying the biggest mistake I ever made was um, I missed my high school graduation. Uh, I didn't go to the prom and so on and so on because I was going on a recruiting visit. And he's what a mistake. And I had just missed my no high way. school graduation. <laughs> and I was thinking, geez, I had a better excuse. I was tr- I was at the tryouts for the national team. So I had a bit. Fair enough. But. I was still cut. Um, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and the 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 interest. Jack Givens had an incredible conversation with him at Kentucky one night. This, you know, he'd been drafted. This was after his senior year. He just scored, I believe, it was the forty-two in the finals against Duke. And uh, we were sitting in my dorm room, and. Uh, and, you know, he's, oh, tell me about Canada, you know, never don't know anything about it, blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, yeah, well, I really, you know, I, I really want to make the NBA. And he started laughing. And he said, I'm first team All-American. I am six foot five. You're six foot what? Canadian. You think you're going to play in the NBA? I'm going to be lucky to play in the NBA for three years because that's what the going rate goes. I can't play power forward in the NBA. Mm. I'm six foot five. And my mind just being blown by having that. Because here I am with Jack Givens. The inc- like, wow. Yeah. I just watched him do this on TV and he was, you know, mm-hmm. mind blowing experience. Yeah. So does that comment piss you off or does it make you think differently or like what does it spark a fire? Is it like, okay, that's a little bit of reality for me. Was it? I I think that it was uh, a bit of reality for me. And, you know, and I was experiencing as well at the time uh, for my first time in my career dejection. Right. Um, And this is something that I battled for over 25 years. And it was my wife that finally got through to me on it. Um, I I felt horrible that I was with the national team for three years. Mm-hmm. I never played a game. I never wore the uniform. Mm-hmm. I never traveled with the team. I was the th- so because Jay was talking about yeah. this. Yeah, I was the thirteenth man. Right. 
So for the three years I was with the team, yeah. uh, the junior national team, they said, you know what, we're going to go with older guys because you're, you're young yet. You've still got a number of years to go. Right. So we're going to go with the older guys. Then the next year it was, yeah, you know, you're older, but we're going to go with the younger guys this year. But we'll keep you as your 13th guy. and yeah. You are the, but you just yeah. pray that somebody breaks their right. leg. Right. Well, back in that, those days, I mean, it was, you know, it was Eli, uh, <laughs> Leo Routens, so on and so forth. Well, yeah. you know, being on the junior national team, they went to a tournament in New Jersey and they played four games and that's, that, was that was it. Right. So, uh, you know, pray someone breaks their leg. Yeah. And you're going to fly me in at the last <laughs> minute. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> it's just to play that last game. Um any, and then from there, it was with the national team. But again, um, it was uh, an alternate. Um, Jack apparently loved me. I only met the man like three times in my life. Mm-hmm. But apparently, Donahoe just, he, he thought I was, I, I was the Swiss Army knife. Really? I, well, you know, with my time at Kentucky, um, that, that, that was where they first started experimenting in those days with strength training you know it used to be when i first started playing was oh god forbid don't lift weights that'll screw your shot up right you know um i was other than quackenbush i was the second biggest guy on the saint mary's team we had seven footers and i weighed more than they did right you know yeah yeah Yeah. it was kind of wacky yeah Um, yeah anyhow um Jesus, I completely, I got so many stories. I completely <laughs> lost myself. Where was I? Donahoe loved you. Oh, Donahoe, yeah. yeah so, yeah. oh, yeah, this, so this is great. Yeah. You're going to love this. Yeah. Uh, so um, he, uh, he, he brought me on board to be the alternate yep. to the team. And now on this tour, I know for a fact it was uh, Howard, uh, Howard Kelsey, mm-hmm. Ron Blommers, uh, Quackenbush, uh, Tom Kapos. Um, uh, they were all on the team. I, I don't know if Billy Robinson was on the, that that team or not. Okay. I've seen a picture, and it was a tour of somewhere in South America, mm-hmm. I, I, Argentina. I, I had to go get a passport and a visa and all that yep. in case somebody got hurt. Yeah, didn't happen. Anyway, so back in the day, there used to be a CBC Game of the Week. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you don't remember that. You can't tell me. No, I no. do not. Okay. There used to be a CBC game of the week. And, of mm-hmm. course, St. Mary's, we were on a fair amount. And we're playing Wilfred Laurier. And um, and Jack's doing the, the color commentary. Okay. And um, so I get subbed in. And Jack goes on and on. Oh, he could be starting in any other university just about in Canada, but he chose to go to St. Mary's because of, you know, he wanted to play for Coach Heaney. And, oh, he's a just an incredible young player. This is really – and I came out – now there was no three-point line back mm-hmm. then. But anyway, I launched from downtown <laughs> airball. And Jack goes, yep, well, what do I know? Because <laughs> you probably don't know this. Is Jack actually wrote a book uh, called Everything I Know About Basketball. Mm-hmm. I believe that was the title. Something along that line. Mm-hmm. And it was 100 blank pages. No way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was one of his, like, you know, ah, what do I know? Uh, <laughs> also, side note, if you've seen the Tupper Tigers play... Uh, Airball threes, made threes, just a lot of threes. So that's yeah, 
It's just, fitting, right? <laughs> you, yeah. You jack yeah. it. You know where well, we get it from. Shoot it before you turn it over, you know? Well, uh, you know, before we started, uh, we, we were talking about Mickey Fox. And, yeah. um, you know, Mickey was just... Yeah, just talk about how good he was. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Mickey could just fill it up. Now, here's another thing. There we go. I mean, oh, Jesus. Well, I hope I don't get in trouble with this one. But anyway... <laughs> um, this is the the whole idea uh, about uh, the internet uh, today, and we, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. But mm-hmm. you know, Mickey was drafted uh, by the Pistons, right, and by the Nets. Now back ABA NBA, and uh, he played with Dr. J uh, and the Nets, and he was the leading scorer in preseason for rookies. Wow! With the Nets, well, the Pistons had his rights, and they said, hey, "Do you want to come play with the big boys?" And Mickey went to the Pistons. And I, I used to have this memorized. Um, they traded one player, and they got two guards, and Mickey got cut. And, of course, he went back to the Nets, and they went, oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, right. Um, so, and th- th- now that was four, five years mm. before I played with him right. in 78. And right. then he was drafted by Portland. And he was with Brian Winters, the yep. head coach here at Portland yeah. uh, for X amount of yeah, yeah. time. Mickey could fill it. I remember Ian, uh, you, you, you've had Ian on. Yep. And uh, when the Nationals were here a few years ago, um, there was a highlight reel up and uh, yeah. showing the UVic um, St. Mary's game, and Ian was walking by, and he goes, "Oh, there, there I am, holding Fox to 36." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mickey could just out and out ball. Yeah. I mean, it's like if if there would have been a three point line, God help us all. Really? I mean, because oh, well, I've got the game film of uh, the championship game, and I'm talking about. Like there's no three point line, but yeah. he he's like ten feet above the free throw yeah. circle, and he's just jamming it. Oh, wow. he could he could he could get up, he could score, he could do it yeah. all. The only thing that okay, he, well, oh, he'll acknowledge this. Yeah, he couldn't defend very well. Yeah, but you didn't need to when right. you're when you're filling it up like he did. Absolutely, yeah, but yeah. he was a very an incredible athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, a great, great, great player. Yeah. Um, awesome. Just want to touch on one thing you talked about, and I think is super important because um, I think you know Corbin played high school, played university baseball, right? You know, played post secondary basketball. You get to a certain level. You mentioned kind of just like talking with your wife, and like I th- one thing I think people maybe don't realize is when you get to a certain level and you've k- given so much time to something that's almost becomes your life transitioning away from that is hard right and so the transition from becoming a player into okay who am I as a person now I know I struggled with that too when I finished at Brandon but knowing like all right I didn't really want to move on and play pro not that I was like that good but you know it was coming more prevalent if you just if I got my Irish passport I could have posted up some little you know freckle-faced 5'11 Irish guy for sure and got paid a little hoops uh, to play hoops right so but trying to transition out of that like yeah I know I want to teach but uh who am i without like in brandon the media coming to practice every day or you go to like the mall and someone's like hey aaron great game on the weekend and i'm like what like you know and i think that's an important thing for people to 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 just acknowledge and and work through right and it's like some people might roll their eyes like whatever girly like at least you got there you know like so you know there's a combination of a few things because you're used to 
you've touched on, you know, being quoted as a phenom and kind of everybody maybe telling you you're great and then getting all this competition and having to work hard and get, you know, maybe slapped around a little bit. Then you get to the national team level and then, you know, basketball comes to an end and it's kind of like it does. There's a little bit of, I don't know if trauma is the right word. That's more your expertise than mine, but just figuring out who you are as a person. Like that's power for me. That's powerful stuff that you're even acknowledging. And that luckily you have a partner who can well, tell it, you, hey, ding dong, this is what your issue is. <laughs> um, so I, I believe UBC for a while was doing a study on it about the degree of depression that that players went through when their careers ended. Um, and, and I mean, it, it, it's a factor. Um, I guess it, in some ways uh, it was easier for me because I was out west and nobody had any idea who I was, so it really didn't matter. You know, you mentioned about you know you walk down the street and everybody says hi to you and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I went from signing autographs all the time to who the hell's that? Who cares? Uh, right. He doesn't play for the Oilers. Um, <laughs> or he's not a Canuck. Who yeah. cares? Um, so. Uh, in one hand, it was a bit easier for me, but the 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 sudden stop of being away from it, being away from the routine, being it a part of you, and uh, getting back into the game because I, I just when I played my last game, I played my last game, and I don't know if I touched a ball for twenty years. I walked away from it um, very discouraged. Um, but uh, all it took was uh, my wife, and this is all her fault, <laughs> is that we moved into a new neighborhood and into the new school for our youngest daughter. And my wife said, hey, would you like to have a former national team player coach at your school or volunteer at your school? <laughs> and they said, sure. <laughs> and um, that started. All it did was taking one step into the gym mm-hmm. and hearing the ball hit the f- the court mm-hmm. and it just took me back 20 years to well this is where i'm supposed to be interesting yeah this is yeah. this is where i'm supposed to be and cool. I, I i think that um my perspective of what the game is really really uh i i feel that i've got a better perspective um you know, it's not about winning and losing. Like, when, oh, hey, hey, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, winning's great and, yeah. and all that. But, you know, it's a game. And this is, you know, one of the things we talk to the kids all of, all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not curing cancer. Yeah. You're putting a ball in a hole. Yeah. Wow. You should make sure you walk around the school with an inflated head thinking you're better than everybody else. Make sure you do that. That's a good popularity contest for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, all you're doing is putting a ball in the hole. Yeah. That's all you're doing. And, uh, and use that to enrich someone else's life. Find that kid in the hall who you, you probably don't even realize looks up to you for that and connect with them, right? Just be more aware of your surroundings as opposed to... Because teenagers were selfish at that age. It's just natural. And nobody's doing anything wrong. It's just who we are, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, one, one of the things that... Uh, of the million things that I say to the kids, one of them is, <laughs> is that, um, you know, the importance of being on a team. It is, uh, it's an actual um, privilege to be on a team. And it does, you know, like, oh... Uh, you know, provincial champions, uh, you know, Catholic League school champions. <laughs> um, you know, um, 
whatever it is, you know, like who, who's going to remember, who's going to know, you know, um, 100%. you know, I, I mean, I can say over and over again that, yes, I'm a national champion at St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. I was the worst player on the team. Mm. Of course, everybody on the team was went on to play pro or, yeah, right. or were on the national team. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, um, we're f and we're five plus years older than you. But, well, well yeah. um, you know, um, it, it's... But I mean, the, those the are important memories that shaped you, but yeah. that doesn't separate you from me or Corbin. We all have our own little story and journey, right? Yes. And, and it's the, just, how do you use that to make you and other people better? Right. Yeah. You're on a team. And, you know, we tell the kids, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in life. And in the old days, I used to have to say, unless you're a professional golfer or tennis player. <laughs> but now professional golfers and tennis players have teams. Yeah. Whatever you do in life, you're going to be on a team of some sort. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, you're a surgeon um, or, oh, you're the anesthesiologist or you're the head nurse in surgery. You're going to be in a team of some more. And I'm telling you, kids. Mm -hmm. You put down that on, I was a member of the, you know, St. Thomas Moore Knights, uh, the Tupper Tigers. I was the captain. Mm -hmm. People are going to see that on your resume and they're going to go, oh, you already understand what it means to be on a team. And, and, and I asked them because what, what do most high school players, what's their first job or high school students, their first job, McDonald's. Yeah. And what are we? We're a team. Mm -hmm. What, what, what? Where do you play on the team? I'm on the fry team. I'm yeah. and and you you've got the advantage over everybody that you're already on something committed. You are on a team, and uh, I love it when this stuff plays out. And I get a response back from a player from years later, Nico Modus. Yep. Remember uh, Nico played at uh, captain yep. at uh, Cap for College. three years. Played there for four years. Mm -hmm. um, he got, uh, when he finished school and got his first full-time job and sat down for the interview, first words out of their mouth was, oh, I see you were the captain of the Tupper Tigers. Mm -hmm. Got him the job. Absolutely. Got him the job. Yeah. So you and then, we had Lexi Durr. I don't know if you, you remember her name at all. Mm -hmm. She played at Boise State. Yeah. And she mentioned in her episode she got an opportunity through a connection through Boise. They didn't even look at her resume. They saw, oh, junior national team captain? Boom. I instantly knew you were picked as a captain, a part of a team. I wanted to know more about that. Right. And it was like, boom, right? And um, I just think that's just like so many powerful things that you're giving us right now. Um, and let's just transition into that. And let's talk about kind of you arriving here, coming all the way out from, you know, you make it coast to coast. Mm -hmm. um, end up in East Van literally across the street from the school, right? And, um, you know, you, you mentioned you had your time away from hoops and your wife, who maybe some days in uh, mid-February is regretting opening her mouth every, about coaching. Every, every, <laughs> every February. Like, hey, Jeff, uh, Chancellor finishes. You want to go uh, for a beer after the game? Yeah, no, I got to go. I got to go see my wife. Yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's mid-January. No, Nobody who has a partner right now enjoys enjoys us. So, yeah. Um, and and I think you know you've talked about that about just the the process of of coaching, especially at the high school level. When, like you say, right? Like I I, I can't tell you our record last year, right? But I can tell you about the special fun moments we had, right? And you're kind of reaping the benefits, which we'll talk about now. I'm not necessarily reaping the benefits, but just being able to sit back because the guys that you've coached are now in a position in their life 
where they're starting to give back or move on to careers and do special things. So just talk about, um, we had the chance to meet at the U15, oh my God, I don't even know, 20, 2009, 10 tryout. And like the thing that I always admire about you is like, we would always laugh, is you were the one guy who for some reason would take the U15 B team every year. Yeah. Like, I don't, and I know, sorry if you didn't get a chance to coach the A team, but like, you just always took that on. And I, now that I know you as a genuine person, like, it fits your personality to a T, but just talk a little bit about maybe that experience with basketball BC and, and getting back into that and why you chose to just, for those that don't know, there's an A, well, there was an A and B team, I'm not sure if there still is, but you were always the guy that took everybody that got cut. And, uh, and I know Denzel played for you and shares some hilarious stories. Shout and, out Denz. and um, you know, guys like I remember the year that we coached, we cut Connor Morgan. I mean, Connor Morgan's a national team player and is making big money and playing great minutes in you know pro basketball right now. Right. But just that's a long question. But yeah, yeah. I guess it was. Uh, um, I, I, as they used to like to say, I piloted <laughs> the red team. Well, that's a polite way. Of, I'm taking the guys that got cut. Um, but it's interesting to take a look at the guys that got cut. Um, and uh, in particular, in the very first year, they were cut, a, a, a number of them, is because they were in grade 7, not in grade 8. Oh, really? Or whatever it was. Grade 9. Gr- yeah, grade, going it, into 10, I think it was, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like that? Right, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So there was um, uh, some kid by the... I I don't know what he went on to go do... Uh, Olakic, oh, oh, Olinic, oh yeah, he was on that first team, really? of course. Oh yeah, but yeah. he was like in grade seven or eight, yeah. something like that. Uh, Michael Lewandowski was in grade seven. Yeah. We, uh, he was like, uh, he's gonna love this. Um, he, he he was like a child that you have to pin their mittens to his sleeves. He lost his wallet every three hours. <laughs> I had to look for it everywhere. Um, but um, there were some great kids on that on that team. And um, and yeah, um, over the years it was uh, it was interesting taking that group, and then it got to the point where I mean we I, we just did the same thing year after year after year, uh, and I think it was a great experience for those kids. I hope so. Um, you know, uh, it was, and I think it was cool the year that I worked worked with Gil and Tony Scott. Um, and you, you guys got to come to the national championships and you won some games, right? And like how powerful and motivating for those kids who are, you know, they, okay, I, you know, I, I think your personality fit that role because you weren't going to take the guys who are already like disappointed with not being on the A team. And your demeanor was like, let's get better. Let's have fun. Let's, you know, enjoy our summer and push each other. And then to go to a national championship and knock some teams, other provinces off, oh, right? Boy. Like I was thinking like, good God. Please don't play us because it's going to be real bad if yes. they beat us, right? But, I mean, some cool moments and just a great way to not. And as a coach, if you're going to give up your summer and, you know, for just a few bucks really is what it comes down to when you count. Oh, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah. no, no, the, yeah. the the red team was even fewer you're bucks. Right. Yeah, if you count all the hours right, that you put in, like, you might as well do something and have a demeanor that you're going to enjoy. So there's no pressure at, like, we have to meddle with the nationals. It's like we've got a bunch of kids who let's get build them back up and mm-hmm. let's have a great summer, right? Yeah, it was uh, uh, you know um, it was a great experience, and I was I was really happy that we were able to do that, and that, that all came because of uh, the New Brunswick treasurer had uh, had stolen all the money um, and uh, from the New Brunswick um, 
And they couldn't come. They couldn't come. Because they were in Kamloops. Yes. No way. Yeah, that's how it all happened. Um, wow. Uh, the, he, the irony. I know. Uh, wow. Yeah. Someone was looking out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. we had a great run. I mean, we mm. were like, we were one game off of, uh, or was it the final? Two points off of playing in the semis. We lost yeah. to Saskatchewan. Right. By two, I believe yeah. it was. I mean, God. And just touch our... a little bit before we go into, into Tupper basketball and, and um, you know, kind of start to wrap it up. Because, I mean, well, we still got lots of time to talk. But, um, like, just mention a few, maybe more kids. Like, you know, you're being joke, joking, but, like, Kelly Olenek was on the B team. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he was younger. But, like, Connor Morgan was on the B, on the B team. team. And he was a bubble kid for us, right? Um, yeah. You know, we were like, should we... You know, but he just kind of was a standstill three-point shooter and just, like, how kids... A little bit of hardship's okay, and you mm-hmm. got to still believe in yourself and keep pushing, especially at that young of age. Like, we sometimes start to put these kids into rankings, and they're here and they're there, and, and obviously you've experienced it. People think, oh, it's politics and da-da-da, but I've sat in those meetings. It's it's about as open and honest as you can be. You're not even allowed to talk about your own kid if you coach right. from a school, right? Yeah. Um, and no one's out to get anyone, and people are always going to get hurt, but just talk about some of the kids that you've in those summers, think about that ended up going even further than some of the kids that made the A team in those summers. Sure, yeah, I mean, you know. um, it's, it's it's very interesting um, the uh, the concept of uh, Connor Morgan, for example. Everybody knew that he was the best player of that age group. Everybody knew it, yeah. but he was also thirteen or fourteen years old and weighed what. 45 pounds wet yeah, something was, like that yeah. was, you know he was thin yes yeah. uh but we all knew all the coaches could all agree oh my god like he's the most te- like yeah. when it gets time for him to yeah he'll be a player yeah. um and then it's that idea of like instead of connor being our 12th man why not him be the best guy on your team right or a starter on your team right right um tommy nixon oh my goodness really he was a B team guy. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Um, had a, had a, he's had carved himself a decent little career. Yeah, he's, he's he, did all, he did all right. Yeah, but first team All Canadian. Yeah, yeah that, that's okay. Still playing pro. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tommy was on that team. It's really funny. Randy uh, Randy Nor was really pushing him, and of mm. course, tough for me to. Well, I can't even say it. Um, <laughs> uh, and and but you know, all it took was like a couple of weeks, and I was oh yeah. He's our best player. Oh, my God. This kid, yeah. like, he can play. Yeah. It's, it's tough. When, when they're 13, 14 years old, uh, when, when Kelly uh, played for me, he tripped over every line on the court. He was covered in bruises from falling down. He was just like, it was hilarious. But, uh, man, I didn't even actually have to coach because Kelly was so smart back then. Kelly would be like, hey, no, 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 no. Yeah. Elbow extended. What are you doing there? Come on. Get out there. He he was just so smart then. Yeah, Andrew McGinnis. Oh yeah, uh, Calgary, yep. UBC, yep. Um, Hansworth. Uh, God, there's so many. Yeah. Or well, of course, there's. I mean, tempers. a guy like you know, not to be homers, but a guy like Denzel, right? A smaller guard with a huge heart and is going to work hard. And you're like, I know he's going to be salty, but like, hey, sorry, like Isaiah and Tiernan were just better than you at that age, and and EB, right? But like. You know, ends up playing post-secondary and goes to Quest, right? Like, in a, a perfect summer for him. Um, you know, I, I think one of the examples, it's, it's almost like a Robbie Sackery with the Lakers, but Denzel mm-hmm. at Nationals on the under-17 team made the team, mm-hmm. 
sat at the end of that bench. I don't know if he ever, as the old story used to go, I didn't even need to put the uniform on underneath yeah. the warm up because yeah. you ain't going in. Yeah. Uh, but man, every time somebody on, UB, uh, on BC scores, Denzel is up and waving a towel and going nuts. And uh, that's so interesting because Jay. Uh, talking about um, uh, he cut somebody, but he brought him back. Um, Swordsy, Sean Swords. There we go. Yeah. Um, we used to, there used to be a big debate back when we we're, you know, c- collecting the teams and all of that. And um, there was a kid from Kits, name of Jeff Lightburn, mm. and uh, who went on to, I believe he played at Queens for five years, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But anyway, and Paul Eberhardt always laughs about this. And for a number of years afterwards, he, Paul would say to me, so what do you think, Jeff? Uh, think he's good in the van? Because I had said to, that we were trying to get that 12th man on the B team. And I said, I think we should take Lightburn because he's, he's a team player. He's going to be good in the van. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you know, what does that mean? Well, how about the guy in the van that uh, from wherever, whatever school, it doesn't matter. Shoes suck. The meals suck. This yeah. van sucks. Everything yeah. sucks. Yeah. Bad in the van. Not good in the van at all. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You want the guy. You want that team player. Absolutely. You want that team player. Yeah. Yeah. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the Lower Mainland. The owner, Shane Meyer, has worked hard to create a personal experience, offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C-Bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in-store, if you mention a hoops journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. No, cool. And, uh, you know, I I think it's great. And just, you know, to be able to just do that for so long is awesome. And, you know, obviously, Tupper basketball is is you right you know when when whenever you decide to to just kind of pack it in um as a coach like i hopefully well maybe not a mural of you that might scare people away but you know hopefully they honor you in some way because the amount of time and energy and effort you've put into that program really for nothing back just because you see value in it just talk about you know you mentioned already the day that the you walked in the gym and you heard the ball bounce and it just kind of, you know, it just clicked again for you and just talk about how Tupper has been for you and what it, what it's been like, you know, just giving your time to that. Um, you started great things, East side story, you know, uh, touch on that, you know, fr- the, you know, the Friday games, I just took Corb's question. Um, just so many different things. And just, you know, the thing I appreciate about you too, at our tournament, like when our kids score keep, you're by far the most favorite 
like coach to score keep a game for i see as i pay them but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah talk talk about you know tupper basketball and what it means to you well i mean it's it was a great situation to walk into in that there was no heritage uh after i think it's 1972 something yeah. like that um now there used to be like there's a handful of players that went on to play at ubc um, for sure um but uh at the time there was there was no heritage and mm-hmm. um i walked into a situation that uh well you just do what you want build up whatever you want away you go mm-hmm. and um Year by year, uh, you know, things expanded and uh, to the point, and then I started working at Basketball BC, so getting more connections. And then um, all of a sudden people will, yeah, um, we have our home opener. Um, How would you like to come and play that? (laughs) So we became Cupcake State for, um, you know, a number of major, major powers, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, you want a guaranteed win, we'll bring Tupper in for that. And it was a great experience for the kids and because uh, this is what real basketball looks like. This is because they were resigned to, um, oh, well, we're gonna, we got a hell of a game against Eric Hamber tonight. Man, this just doesn't quite. Right. Yeah. Um, the parents don't even go to that game, um, aside, <laughs> aside from anybody else. Um, and uh, it... it it grew from there and being able to say, and then uh, I think it was Howard Samara that was the first one that said, holy sh**, your schedule is out of this world. No wonder mm. you're 2 and 20. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, you're playing everybody and right. you're, you're getting smoked and so on. Yeah. But then what happened was is that uh, a lot of the parents, if you can possibly imagine, they started saying, wow, your kids are so nice they're so polite and um they play so hard for you well yeah they play hard for me because i'm not banging them in the middle of their forehead telling them they're stupid right um james lum uh had uh, uh i don't know if this is available for the uh someone asked him i th- and it might have we been have howard good, as we well have a good producer oh, okay yeah we can take it out um, if you need to. <laughs> Uh, James Lum asked when he was playing for the provincial team uh, for Coach Goulet. Um, they said, uh, wow, there must be uh, some difference playing for Coach Goulet than Co- Coach Gourley. Uh, and James said, well, if you can get a good job, son, out of Goulet, you know you're doing something good. On the other hand, you could take a sh- in the middle of the court and Coach Gourley would say, good coiler, son, nice. <laughs> Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of look at, you know, is, would yelling at a kid and, and, and telling them you're stupid, you're dumb, what are you doing? Now, of course, my players would argue, you say that all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but uh, I, um, again, I mean, it's a game. Uh, to get mad at a kid, like, can you get mad at a kid for missing a shot? Mm-hmm. No. Um you know, you, you got to encourage them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you you can't knock them down. Um, you just want them. You know, you, you you want the kids to buy into the program. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's interesting. You're talking like everyone we've talked to on this podcast. Something, and they use the term either luck or timing, right? Oh. And so the timing of just you stepping into Tupper, getting that energy back to become a coach, having kind of free reign to do what you want. And then 
what the kids have been able to benefit from having you, you know, kind of be the leader. Like, it's just interesting how that seems to just be a common theme with, with everyone we've talked to at some point in their life, timings come in. And I, and I still, I'm a firm believer that it still comes to the people that do the right things, that make the right reads, that treat people the right way, that, you know, like you said, you built connections and relationships first, you know, before, you know, you started to network a little bit and get to know the feel, the lay of the land. You didn't come in, you know, being like, I'm from the East Coast and this is the way we used to do things. It's like, let me see how they do things here. Let me get to know a few people. You know, yeah, you're getting smacked around against great programs, but you're turning it in a way that your kids are getting a positive experience. Out of it. Like, how fun was that? Like, we have nothing to lose. We're going to play in front of 400 people and get drilled tonight, but you're going to get to play against some guy who's the best player in the province or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, just talk about the transition from that feeling to, I'm sure not many people schedule for the home opener nowadays. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, and if they do, maybe it's reverse. They're like, let's get Tupper in so we can get drilled. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, a real, um, it's an interesting um, situation to be in. Um, yeah. There was there was no pressure in the old days, you know. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. God help us. <laughs> Give me a towel. There's going to be some blood here. I'm sure. God help us all. Uh, this is going to be a horrible beating. But oh well, uh, I'll, I'll just dry their tears and we'll be okay. And but I mean, won't. I won't cry too much myself. Uh, but I mean, too, like as a coach, the 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 intellect in you to kind of just see. Because especially for a unique school like Tupper, where like it, there's no point in you. You're not running the high post offense. You know what I mean? Like there's a, you play a brand of basketball that fits the kids that you have. And that takes time for you to be egoless and go, all right, let me just see what we got here. What are the type of kids that are coming? Who's our dynamic? And then let's work around that. Like, I'm not sure what you what your style was at St. Mary's if it was like, but I mean, that's the, that's the fun part of coaching high school kids is being able to adapt to who you have and work with those guys. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, well, at St. Mary's, it was run and gun. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. With the, with the powerhouse that we had, yeah. you know, you got quack and Bush and Capos running down the lanes and yeah. you got Mickey Fogg and Kevin Woods who had just won two straight, NCAA Division II championships at Randolph-Macon. Wow. Um, you know, player. And he, he had a cup of coffee with the Hawks. Um, yeah. You know. And then you had Percy Davis uh, from Rhode Island, who's the guy that with no time left on the clock. NCAA Sweet 16 against Duke that he missed both free throws. Um, no time on the clock. And they were down? They were down. Oh. But Percy could uh, rest, God rest his soul. He passed away a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but Percy could dunk three balls at the same time. He would Come palm. On. Yeah, no, he would palm. But Percy could almost go to the top of the backboard. Holy frig. Uh, man, he could. Jumping Jack. They say that uh, we had more dunks that year than any other team. Um, anyway, he would he would palm two balls and then yeah. he'd put one underneath his arm and he'd yeah. go up with this one dunk, dunk, dunk. 
Yikes. Oh, he could. I got a photograph of I had just passed him the ball, <laughs> <Yeah>. assist. <laughs> and he is, he's like his one head's, point, one assist, 29 boards. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, his, his head's at the rim and he's just like, wow, ready to throw down. Anyway, yeah. um, a hell of a day. Ron Blommer's on the national team. Derek yeah. Lewis. Uh, Derek Lewis was the MVP of the. Vancouver College, what's it called? Their Emerald? Tournament? The Emerald. He was the MVP of the Emerald in 1976 out of Toronto. He played at, I believe it's Oak Bay in Toronto. Oak something in Toronto. Okay. Uh, high school, all Canadian. Uh, oh, it was, it was just like yeah. an incredible, incredible team. We had... We had three, two guys that were uh, um, junior national team member, or you know, not members, or you know, tryouts with the national. Mm-hmm, that quit mm-hmm. the team because they weren't getting enough playing time. <laughs> you know, like uh, Roger Tustinoff is seven foot two from somewhere in Ontario. Wow. You know what? Gortley's going in instead of me. Screw this. <laughs> so would you say you know Hyde's Hyde said that obviously, but you know, biased that he feels like his the UVic team was one of the best ever. Where do you think that St. Mary's team is ranked up? Um, other than talking to anybody at UVic or Carlton, everybody yeah. across the board agrees to that yeah. St. Mary's team was the greatest team ever assembled. Wow. Uh, it, it was like crazy. Insane. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're playing Duke at yeah. Cameron Pavilion. We're playing Villanova. We're playing St. Joseph's, Connecticut. We crushed crushed Boston College twice. Right. Um <laughs> You know, um, what a team. And he knew what he had. And the schedule we had was just insane. Yeah. We played three tournaments at Christmas and then got off the plane and got on a bus and went to St. Avex and played that like six hours later off of the plane from traveling from Calgary. Wow. You know, he he just knew that we were going to be that tough. We had to lose so a game. Did you play like forty five games or something? I, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot. Holy smokes, that's and crazy. a lot, a lot, a lot of travel. Holy mm-hmm. smokes, mm-hmm. a lot of travel, um, all over the board. I mean, Duke was probably the greatest. Uh, that's cool. And uh, when we played Duke, um, it was the last time. And now this is nineteen seventy. Is last time one team had three first team All Americans. Eugene Banks, Jim Spinarkle, and um, their center. Uh, God, I'm getting old, man. Played in the NBA for years. Um, six foot eleven, seven foot. Seven, I don't know. Anyway. I was two. Huh? I was two. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Spinarkle was. Uh, I mean, that that was where you really got to see. You know what, what? What's the difference? What's the difference between an NBA player yeah. and a good college player? Um, well, it's you interesting know. you mentioned Clark Kellogg, yeah, who like had a great career at right. Ohio. Right, his pro career wasn't was, that good. Yeah, yeah, but so great. He was all American yeah. at Ohio. So, what was the difference that you noticed? Like, just is well, it leaping uh, ability. Is it instinct? Is it Spinarkle's? Uh, he played the top of the press. Yeah, and uh, his hands went below his knees. Yeah, and he's like six foot eight or whatever. Right. So his his wingspan yeah. was like seven foot. God knows what. Yeah, um, yeah. That you know. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. Awesome. Um, yeah. So. What do you, uh, before we kind of move to the lightning round here and put you through the, the fire, I'm not even sure if you read my message about the podcast, but I know you've listened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on, you know, the high school basketball 
that you've seen across Canada and BC and what are some areas that you think we need to get better at? Well, I'm putting uh, you on the spot here, but yeah, I, I mean, um, just trying to take as many questions. Corb's always like during the podcast, he always has a question at the end and I'm notorious for like taking his question without knowing it. Yeah. Well, so I'm just trying to fire as many questions at you. So that's what a good sidekick is yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I well, guess we don't use that term in 2020. Please yeah, delete really. that out. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. You need to have a safe teen workshop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess, I guess it's the, the, the pure fundamentals. I mean, it's always shocking. Um, when a player, um, uh, I mean, again, I, I bring up James Lum and, um, you know, they, uh, they go to a situation and, uh, they're they're playing on a team, and uh, James says, "Coach, uh, the guy has no idea how to catch the basketball, or how to play. He doesn't know how to cut or anything." Well, James, it's simple. He was the man on his team. Mm. He had the ball in his hand. Why would he know how to catch it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's some of those hardcore fundamentals. The the that hardcore footwork. Um, that that's always a benefit for. Uh, you know, to be a better player, you know, yeah. smarts helps. As I mentioned earlier, Kelly Olenek, smart, smart, smart part player. Mm-hmm. Tommy Nixon, same thing. And what do you think it was? How did they develop that um, that IQ? Repetition. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of feel repetition is a big, big, big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, relating back to uh, Jay's uh podcast you know him talking about Shashevsky and like unimpressed with Shashevsky's X and O's yeah well if anybody ever saw my dry erase board <laughs> they would laugh like hell because like all it is is one giant scrawl of go over there do this do that I, I hate X and O's mm. um I just can't oh I mean just go get the goddamn basketball for god's sakes go get the rebound and that's that those are the players that and, and you know what it's like to have one of those players that Oh, shit. he's got the ball in his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice work. Good. Yeah. He yeah. went and got it. Right. You know, and it's also really great when your guard can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I thought that was a very, very interesting comment um, mm. about, uh, you know, that, that Jay had made uh, about that. And um, yeah, the, the Coach K of all people, right? Yeah, of all people. <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, um the, the repetition, people always want with Tupper. Well, what's, Jesus, you guys shoot so many threes. Yeah, well, we practice those threes a lot because, you know, you can practice plays as much as you want, but Jesus, you gotta have, you gotta have, you have to have guys that can execute the plays. Totally. You know, it it's, can't be a matter of like the most highly designed play in the entire world. Well, if the kid can't pivot and travels every time he catches it, well, what's the sense of having that spectacular play? Yep. And what's the deal with you guys shooting so many threes? Well, it's a fun part of practice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's jack. You know, and, and again, it's one of those situations where the kids don't even get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do, uh, you know, Duke drills. Yeah. And you're going to run full court. You're going to cross over just off of the elbow, and you're going to shoot a three. Mm-hmm. Well, the kid, you know, would I want my center doing that? No. Yeah, yeah, Do yeah. I want the guy at the end of the bench doing that? No. <laughs> but everybody's getting a great cardio workout, and the guys that we want to shoot the ball, mm-hmm. uh, getting a lot of shots up. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> Love it. And, and I think, too, is, you know, a lot of times 
you talked, you know, you mentioned like a Bill Disbro. It's like we think, you know, we want to attach championships, but at the high school level, there's just so many factors. You've experienced them all, right? You've had teams that came out of nowhere and made a run, you know, losing in a provincial final. Not to say that they made, weren't expected to be there, but they were a top team all year, and you never know what's going to happen. You've had years where you get upset early and you thought, man, man, that was a group. You know, you talk with Hydes. Hydes is like still regrets, you know, or thinks back to like 2015 and thinks, oh, I screwed up here and I screwed up in 95. You know, it's a dark path to go down, but just the high school game, there's so many things that are out of our control. So I think just the kids having a good experience and learning is just so important over anything else. Like if we just get caught up in our wins and losses like what are we doing um i i, I keep on referring back to jay talking about yep. the, with the, the national team and the experiences you know the the, the food was shitty, the hotel room was shitty, but boy we had a great time yeah, um yeah. yeah it's it's those things um yeah. and you think about you know and you know, you've built your program to a point where you do usually have a kid moving on, especially the last few years, five, six years, right? You know, from, from you know, Warren kids, to yeah. James Lum to Big Cam, right? Like, you know, you've had a lot to Nico, like many, Chris Schneller. But let's be honest with ourselves, the majority of our kids aren't. So what oh. are they doing during that time? What are they learning, um, you know, especially in an East Van school? Like, talk, talk a little bit about... Uh, nothing personal, but just like what it is in terms of the dynamic that you're dealing with. You know, we had Bal on our podcast too. And it's like, you know, with the kids, he's got it. I remember a couple of years of the Bateman tournament, um, Verinder, the AD and coach there went down to the bus and was picking them up from the bus stop. Cause his kids had to take the bus from Burnaby to friggin' Abbotsford, right? Yeah. Like it, there's unique scenarios. And I think being at an independent school, there's a lot of things that we don't necessarily have to, worry about and maybe at times take for granted that mm. you do um and i guess part of that can make it hard but also makes it kind of rewarding and and there's spectacular stories that come out of it um you know how do you get the kids to the tournament well we have to leave three hours early because i have to make two trips right um <laughs> minor little yeah <laughs> minor little problem yeah um and or you know okay yeah sure we'll take your brother and sister with us because you have to babysit them okay right. oh okay make let's make that three trips um mm-hmm. there's that um it's um it, it's always tough in particular you know with, with the public schools is because budgets just get cut and get cut and get cut and get cut some more mm-hmm. and then you're always dealing with the situation well why does the basketball team have that well basketball team paid for it themselves um you know you you raise the money so on Mm -hmm. and so forth um but uh there's been an incredible amount of support at the school Mm -hmm. um i you know i can't say anything uh bad there they've been incredibly supportive and it's tough there's so much um going on for them so much that they have to think about uh that they're they're dealing with on a a regular basis well Um, not to cut you off like i think some people think okay you know the the east van that you know you've been at tupper 19 years it says um you took one year out in that time but like the east van that you saw 18 years ago is different than now but it's still east van and those families have still been there for decades and are still fighting the same struggles and things that they were that just because your property has gone up <laughs> yeah. doesn't necessarily mean your financial situation has changed and that anything else has changed right exactly yeah um you're still you know you, you've got situations where um you know and, and you have to deal with it where you know the the team stops for something to eat and the 
kid says, oh, I, I forgot my wallet. Well, he didn't forget his wallet. He yeah. just has no money, right. you know. Um, and um, things like that are shoes. I mean, there was a, a great story from uh, many years ago where um, we had a, a young man playing for us. And uh, I'm not going to go into depth into the story. But to the bottom line is, is that uh, his family did not have money and uh he got a summer job and he was finally able to and he bought himself a pair of nikes mm. and somebody broke into the locker and stole, stole them. them and i couldn't figure out why i kept on spraining his ankle over and over again and so i had to wanted to have a look and he's wearing like clown shoes like mm. these things he borrowed a teammate's shoes well he was like five foot four and he was like my starting point guard mm-hmm. uh and he's wearing like size 12 sneakers when he usually wears eights <laughs> and um and that's why he kept on spraining his ankle yeah. but the kid was so tough that oh he just tape it up and away yeah. you go and he and was not saying a word to not you. saying a yeah. word to me and he's stuffing the shoes with newspapers wow and um it just so happened that my daughter had just graduated from high school and she was a size eight. <laughs> he wore my daughter's shoes for the rest of the year. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there, there's that. Uh, that's not so common anymore. I mean, you know, there used to be a time when I used to have to sign all the John Howard's slips at yeah. the end of practice because it's dark out and yeah. you're on probation and you're not allowed out. Yeah, allowed out after dark. But yeah. Um, but that's again that's building the culture over the yeah. years and now we take a look at um, someone like uh, Daniel Kim uh, I don't know if you remember yep. Daniel kid played at Langara yep. won a national championship there at Langara yeah um Daniel just did uh, his uh, finished his medcaps um and uh, I don't know how that score runs but uh whatever the case is is that uh, he nailed I think it was 96 out of 100 on wow. his med caps. And, uh, you know, what's he intending to doing? Uh, brain surgery. No big deal. It's only 12 years of yeah. university, but, you know, yeah. between friends. I mean, And what's he doing this year? This year, his assistant coach. Sitting on your bench, <laughs> right? Bench. Yeah. He took the year off. He's just tutoring, so on and so forth. Honors yeah. student at yeah. UBC in math. Um the list goes. I mean, you know, yeah. I, you, I can just go on and on. Whether it's mm-hmm. Nico Modus, Chris Schneller, James Lum is yeah. in the financial world today. Cameron Smythe, four national championships at Carlton, mm-hmm. and well, what a lot of people don't. Uh, he also won the New England Prep Championship at Cushing Academy. Oh no! Uh, way. Yeah, I mean, a hell of a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, there's, uh, you, you know, I, I always joke about uh, back in the old days, they used to ask the kids, so uh, what are you going to do after school? And this is how far their their thoughts went. Uh, I could get something to eat, play video games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, today, I can't <laughs> tell you how many doctors and lawyers, I mean, I don't know about the lawyer part, if that's a good thing or not, but <laughs> I, I, I can't, like, it is just phenomenal how many um We've got uh, two kids in medical school. Uh, we got a whack of lawyers, holy smokes, uh, and a bunch of people in the financial world um, just doing so, so, so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that was a piece of putting that that ring in front of those kids. Mm. Like, what, what, what are your dreams? What do you, yeah. you know, when, when I 
when I originally got to Tupper, it's just it wasn't part of the conversation. But yeah. I but uh, but what I brought was I brought Heaney talking to me, and mm. like Heaney is just like oh my god, uh, we got lots of time, right? Absolutely. Okay, Heaney, holy jeez, yeah, I'm telling you. Um, so uh, Heaney didn't make his high school. He's from uh, um, Brooklyn. For those and, that don't know, uh, it's Brian Heaney. Yes, Brian Heaney. Sorry, about. yes. He's just a coach. He's talking about yeah. coaching. Yeah. Oh, okay. Brian Heaney, yeah. Um, I believe our year, Brandon, he, Quack was coaching St. Mary's. Yep. And Heaney was doing the play-by-play. Oh, probably, yeah. yeah for TSN. Well, he yeah, was yeah. he was the Raptors color commentator yep. for years. Yep. And he also had his TV show, Heaney on the Hardwood. Uh, right. Yes. I forgot about that. Yes. Corbs is shaking his head. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so he's an American. Oh, God, yeah. Didn't know that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he still holds the record from 1965 for the most points scored in a U-sports game. How many? 68, I believe it was. And uh, they had the shooting chart or they got the film. I mean, they didn't even have film in my uh, in my day. They It was movie film. It was like <laughs> there was no video. Uh, um, but they, they, He's not joking. He would have. I'm not joking. <laughs> Uh, he would have had 81 with a three-point line. Wow! Um, because he he said he says you know uh, Kobe's Kobe and I the most yeah. points I've ever scored. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah scored, he, I scored 77 in Brandon Men's League. Nice the, against the naval or the Army base guys. Does that count? <laughs> I had 50 and a half. Yes, and then what? what? Did a play? scotch and uh, took the <laughs> shoes off? Yeah, <laughs> the score was 50 to. F- Fifty to four, so I didn't play the rest of the game. Or fifty-four to four. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, he he's uh, Coach Aberdeen used to go down to New York every you know a spring, and who am I going to bring back? And Steve Shashevsky, uh, uh, um, the ex coach. St. Francis Xavier. Oh, Konchowski. Konchowski. Thank you. Uh, he's been there since the dawn of time. Yeah, um, sure has. I still can't believe he's still there. We. Anyhow, so, uh, you know, both uh, he and Coach Heaney and Coach Cranick, uh, the three of them, were, were all um, at uh, Acadia. And um, uh, Coach Aberdeen goes to the high school in New, uh, in New York, in Brooklyn, and uh, he said, do you have anybody for me? And he said, uh, yeah, actually, I have somebody for you. And, um, and, he's, and Coach Aberdeen said, so how many points a game did he score? And I uh, said, well... He actually wasn't on the team. And Coach Aberdeen's like, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, you, you, you got to see this kid. You, you just, just, just meet him, okay? So uh, off they went down the hallway, and they walked past the gym, and they kept on going. And uh, they walked up to the janitor's closet. And Coach Aberdeen says, I could hear it. And they open the janitor's closet door, and there's Coach Heaney sitting on a bucket, reading a chemistry book, dribbling a basketball. And Coach Aberdeen said, well, damn, I'm going to take this kid. So he goes to Acadia. Uh, he uh, MVP of nationals, finals twice, all Canadian the whole time. Um, and uh, scores the most points to this day. Most free throws scored in the game. List goes on and on and on. And then um, now, of course, Coach Aberdeen. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard him tell this story. He always used to tell it at camp. 
you know, yeah. you know, to, to motivate the kids. You right. know, this is like, you know, didn't even make his high school basketball team and went on to do this, went on to do that. So, um, so uh, Coach Aberdeen, uh, then he uh, says, and then in the middle of the night, my phone rings. And all I hear is some idiot screaming at the top of his lungs. I made it. I made it. I made it. Coach, I made it. I made it. And I hung up the phone. And Coach Aberdeen, it would take 15 minutes to tell this story. Five more times he'd pick up and hang up and hang up and hang up. <laughs> and um, what it was was um, uh, Coach Heaney uh, got drafted by the Bullets. And apparently to this day, he's the lowest drafted player ever to make the NBA. There are players that weren't drafted that made it, but he's the lowest drafted player, I believe. Mm. Um, and uh, he was drafted by the Bullets, which was part of your questions the other day, uh, who used to be called. Mm-hmm. Thank God you got it. Um, <laughs> he does and, listen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and it was, uh, they had drafted, uh, the Bullets had drafted uh, the, the kid from South Carolina, uh, Kevin Lowry, I believe, oh, yeah. uh, is the name. Um, and he was all American, uh, yeah. with South Carolina and, you know, geez, you know, drafted number three or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, uh, Kareem went to block a shot and kicked him and punctured his lung, uh, with the rib. And what Heaney was screaming was Jabbar, or maybe it was El Cinder back yeah, then. I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, broke his f- Oh, uh, <laughs> broke his ribs. He punctured his lung. Coach, I'm in the NBA. Yeah. I'm in the NBA. And uh, coach played for the Bullets for a year. Uh, got on the cover of Sports Illustrated, sitting on the bench. Um, yeah. <laughs> but hey, man, he tells a great story. Um, he actually, uh, coach was like pretty broken up when um, uh, just recently passed away. Kobe. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the, for, from the bullets, uh, the, the last time someone was the uh, West Unselt, West Unselt, yeah, yeah. It was the last time someone was Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same year in the NBA. Um, West Unselt could hoop. Yeah, well, yeah. There, there's the ever popular story about him. Uh, he, he could put the ball on the backboard, mm-hmm. turn in midair, and hit the other backboard with a pass before he hit the ground. Really? Think about that. That's crazy. That is crazy. Anyway. So Heaney was on the team with him? He was on the team with him. They were both rookies together. Wow. And uh, Coach goes on and on about what an incredible guy he was, what a first-class guy he was, and how no errors about him whatsoever. Um, And uh, he played the one year. And that was it. And then he became the, he's the youngest coach ever to win the New York City High School Basketball Championship. He coached that year, and then he went to St. Mary's the next year. And I always used to think of him as an old man. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's five years older than my wife. Um, <laughs> he, he, he was in his 30s, for goodness sakes. Wow when uh, he was coaching us. Uh, and he, he could still ball a little bit back then, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy so. smokes. That's crazy. Oh, I mean, uh, the, the, you know, when and when Coach Aberdeen would come to town, it was like, you know, God came down from heaven. I mean, oh, it was like something else. And he, he would run practice. And Coach Aberdeen was, a, I'm exaggerating, needless to say, Coach Aberdeen was about three foot six, and he was a dynamo, man. Really? He just went and went and went and went. Um, you know, there's the Amazing. tragic story, of course, that the, the entire Tennessee coaching staff, they experimented with um, 
only having cat naps and that you could accomplish so much more in a day um, if you know you only took 15 minute cat naps for two hours a day and then the rest of the time you could be breaking down game film recruiting okay. running practices so on and so forth uh, the head coach dove underneath the bench at LSU screaming don't let the Tigers get me the assistant <laughs> coach became a piano salesman in Knoxville and coach Aberdeen unfortunately uh, passed away of a massive heart attack in the parking lot of a Denny's when he was I believe like 43 or f- something like that it's a dark story it's a dark story uh, so no cat naps no cat naps is that what no, you're suggesting no, okay. no. hardcore naps you've heard it here first yeah, yeah only yeah. the real deal the, yeah, or nothing. yeah put yourself down for at least an hour yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> um, but coach you know coach was great man like I, I spent a summer with him at marshall university and he he was he he, he was just crazy like <laughs> Don't drink that soda pop. Stop drinking that soda pop. Drink water. Don't drink soda pop. He would go on and on. <laughs> but as I said, when he would come to St. Mary's, he was like God walked through the room and and everybody just ran and ran so hard. Like nobody was pulling hammies that day. If you did, <laughs> tough it up. <laughs> Love it. Mm. Corbs, you got any questions for Coach? Um, well, <laughs> One more thing before uh, before we move on to my question is it Mike Gaminsky? Is that who you talked about with the, from from Duke, the the, the six foot eleven center? Oh, uh, G. Yeah, Mike Jaminsky. Yeah, Jaminsky. Oh, the G man. Yeah. That's the who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. Ah, okay. Yeah, the three of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I actually some is um, Ron Blommer sent me the. Um, the uh, the stat sheet from the game, and I have my, my memories of uh, playing against Duke was is that I played for forty five seconds the national championship game forty five seconds yeah uh, and uh, I look at the stat sheet and what I played five minutes against Duke jeez I, wow. that's cool and same with the national uh, with the national championship game. I, I thought I was just subbed in at the very end, but what happened? Kevin Woods got into foul trouble, yeah. and Mickey had to take over the game. Uh, yeah, I was Mickey's sub. Right, it's, it's kind of like Randy Nor being yeah. Um, yeah. Steve Nash's sub. Right, uh, yeah, I, I was Mickey's sub. Right. So, but I, I got to get into the the game in the first half. I and until I saw, watched the game film thirty forty years later, I yeah. didn't. Wow, that interesting. Kind of blew out of my mind. Yeah. Funny how you forget that stuff. Yeah. The G-Man. Did he play for Philly? Yes. Yeah. There we go. Yes. See? So did Spinarkle. See, Brad Thornhill, I know what I'm talking about. Get off me. <laughs> Chirping me about my history and knowledge. Trying to get me riled up. He's going to appreciate the fact that I called him out on the podcast. But screw yeah. you, Thornhill. <laughs> so kind of, so you kind of touched base on, you know, you have safe teams and you've you know been at Tupper for, you know, past 19 years. So I'm just kind of wondering... You know, look at if you're looking at your resume, your bio. I think you could probably could have easily coached U Sports, CIS. So, what brings what what is it about working with with the youth and the kids? Like, cause there's a there's a universe, yeah. There's a universe where you're well, a CIS coach somewhere, right? So. Uh, well, I, I believe you actually have to have a degree to coach U Sports. Do you not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm actually pretty sure that is the case, which I do not have. My, uh, but let's say you did. Let's say, let's You're say, avoiding let's this question. He's being humble. He's yeah. avoiding this question. What would I be? Is that why it's never been on your radar? Just because you strictly don't have a um, degree, or is it just something? I've been bu- I've been busy with uh, business. Yeah. 
Fair. But uh, but I'll be honest with you. It's one of the things that uh, in retirement I'd I'd love to. Uh, like do pack west or something or uh, yeah and, and not not head coach yeah being uh, assistant yeah. or even basketball operations right associate head coach <laughs> yeah uh you know you, you look at um gonzaga um mm. oh Mark my God. no oh, yeah. tommy uh, tommy uh, uh what's his name yeah, yeah i know you're you know about. Tom, yeah. but, but i'm talking even further down the, okay. o- the the older gentleman okay who's written the most books in the history of basketball it's in the guinness book of world records we should just know his name um mm. I tell the kids it all the time. Ain't no fact checking on this podcast. Yeah. But Corbs is about to. Okay, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and, and that's his. You know, like yep. oh, basketball camp in the summer. Get yep. bums in the seats. Yeah, I'm always fascinated. How can UBC with sixty thousand students not get four thousand students into that arena? Right. Like, I I know, and I'm I'm, I'm not pointing fingers or anything i I think that from a program standpoint they've worked super hard to try they got a beer garden they promote it around university it's like it's my biggest thing it's like when you go to you know obviously the carltons and the ottawa's i can't speak to the other universities but when you're out east it's just like they live it well i love it it's just a different yeah where there's i mean i i can always see the factor that uh this is like one of the most incredible cosmopolitan amazing cities in the world right there's a lot to do here sure um so do i go see the prince concert or do i go see ubc play Uh, yeah yeah. decisions decisions um (laughs) and um that happens but they tell me it's the same on the east coast now now when i was a kid yeah oh my god like we played in the metro center yeah and it would be jammed um something else uh You know, on the uh, you know, on the other hand, you go to Antigonish to play Saint of X. Well, if you've ever been to Antigonish, you know there's nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> it's uh, that's one of the things we don't have here is yeah. the university towns for sure. That everything is the the whole town is Acadia. Like I don't I don't I don't even know if there's a liquor store there for goodness sakes. Right. I mean, there's a diner maybe, and yeah, but everybody in this, everyone in town works right. at the university. Whereas, in like, if you live in Burnaby on a Saturday during basketball season, you could go to any college, you could go to all the way to Trinity. You could go to Fraser Valley. You probably just can't go to UVic. You could go to SFU. You could go to UBC. You know, you got a million and one options. That's if you're even willing to go watch a sporting event or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's um, you know it's it's not built into the culture. I mean, yeah. you know, what I the think th- to to Corb's question is like the Ball podcast. No, no, no. You're on the right path. Is just like I also think selfishly. One thing that he said that stuck with me, and I didn't even realize, is like selfishly, we get just as much out as we give to them, right? Oh. Like we we don't coach high school um, if we don't get something from it, right? And we get so many great things from from that, right? So the pressures that come with post-secondary and it's a different grind, it's different road trips, you got to recruit. Like, you know, there's so many different things that, that I think are tied to it too, whereas the high school game is just, it's pure. And like we've talked about is we're not, yeah, when you have special kids that are willing to get in the gym, they're going to put the work and you'll be there to support them. But when you have a group of guys that are just a group, good group of kids that want to be the best team they can and could care less about post-secondary and playing, we're selfishly getting something out of that too. And I think that's, at least for me, that's the hook for for high school is just that connection that's there. And it doesn't seem like it's a job 
to me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. This uh, past year, uh, the uh, my uh, associate coach, uh, Pat Kumau, he... Yeah. At Life with Sauce. Life with sauce. sauce. We need to know that. Like, is it just because he puts a lot of sauce on his food? Or is his game saucy? Oh, or? his yeah. game is saucy. Yeah, okay, oh, that's what it is. That's what Man. it is? Okay, so oh, oh, <laughs> we're just going to turn a huge shout out to Pat. <laughs> so uh, when Pat came in at grade 8, if you would have told me in grade 8 that this kid was going to hit one of the biggest shots ever in the history of the school, I would have said to you, really? Mm. And he's going to make the team? Yeah. In his senior year, he was our captain, and uh, we had just gone from being at Provincials year after year after year to not an overly talented team. And uh, it's the city championship for third place, and at halftime, we are down 29 points to King George. Going into the fourth quarter, we're down 19 points. Okay. Going into the final minute, we are down by five. At the buzzer, Pat hits a three to win by one. Really? And it was it was just beautiful. I mean, uh, Doug uh, Eberhardt was uh, coaching at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I spoke earlier about how poor I am at X and O's, Doug is like, I, I don't know if he can write anything other than an X and an O. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> he's just like all over it, man. Yeah. He set the play up, and Pat, you're going to hit the shot. And Pat was like, yep. And he, he just drained it. Yeah. Um, and that was the biggest shot in the schools. I mean, you know, third place in cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, man, the, the simple fact of being down 29 at halftime and coming back and then doing it at the buzzer, it's like... Um, you know, it's out of a movie for yeah. God's sakes. And now, cool part, half the time, you know, you're at a point where you call a timeout and he runs it. Oh, you know I, what I mean? The, like, just this. I think that's another piece of just what of, it's about. Yeah, I yeah. mean, why? Why should I draw? Yeah. <laughs> Just go get the goddamn basketball. Yeah. Come on. Jeez. Yeah. Come on, son. <laughs> you know, like, what? what we're going to run a, the picket fence off yeah. of the elbow and, you know, and do the Statue of Liberty. You know? mm. uh, kid doesn't even know what the Statue of Liberty is. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's the other piece about coaching, about mm-hmm. like giving it, like playing it forward For over sure. and over again. I mean, why not? Well, I mean, in your mentorship, it's come full circle. And now you're to the point where, like, you are so confident and you you allow him to take that moment in a timeout. Because who cares if we win or lose? He's getting experience because maybe one day, who knows, maybe he wants to be a head coach of something, right? Yeah. And and I think that's huge for us as coaches as we get longer in the tooth is to develop and, you know, mentor those younger people and have them be a part of things too. And, you know, Pat is just a great guy. You can see just how he connects with kids, but he also is able to connect with older people who well, consider ourselves older. Mm. Um, but no, he like, he's, he's respectful. Um, he respects the game. He still has a connection with kids and he has a great understanding. Right. And those mm-hmm. are just another, just, you know, a great story coming out of Tupper. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the kids, uh, I would, I, I just think the world of this kid. That, yeah. They that love guy. him. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he's running camp right now uh, yeah. as we speak. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, as, as we talk, I, we come up with things um, that flash through my mind. And one of the 
one of the great stories we were talking about people going to, like well, how come people don't come to games well like mm. where's the high school you know they talk about i guess it was in bellingham this year mm. they sold twelve thousand dollars worth of tickets in like a minute and a half or something for a high school game really? like yeah, yeah like something crazy like that um i mentioned earlier that coach cotter we used to uh, play in the united states constantly and uh, if you've ever been to the state of Maine, I think there's two cities in it and everything else is a village and a town. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would pull into this little tiny place. And as you're driving in, the sign out front would be, I don't know, Callis, okay. Maine, yeah. population uh, 10,900. Oh, my God. What am I talking about? 2,000. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd walk into the field house and go, oh, and the, the, the fire inspection uh, sticker would be there, uh, maximum capacity, 2,500. And you'd go, are you kidding me? Right. And then as you continue down the hallway, you see state champions, 1942. And it's, uh, you're going to love this. It, those pictures are just like at the end of Hoosers when no they have way. the picture up on the, yeah. you know, state champions, 1940. Yeah. And you go, how in God's name did they have the state champions in this place? Yeah, yeah. And then you get into the gym and it is packed to the rafters. It is just insane. And it's a high school basketball game. Now, I know that's the 1970s. It may have changed since then. Who knows? Still um, awesome, though. Oh, the, the pictures. I mean, that the yeah. minute the Hoosers, when that movie came out, I just yeah. went, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> oh, I've seen that. <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. Anything else from Corbs before we uh, find out the nitty-gritty? Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause. Dr. Jerry Krause at Gonzaga. The most uh, Guinness Book of World Records wrote more more basketball books than anyone else. And Jerry will tell you about it all the time as he's trying to sell them to you. <laughs> the mind of Jeff Gurley right there. Yeah. Ten yeah. minutes later. Yeah. Well, hey. Or you would have texted us, you know, when he got home. I'm trying to. He re- came to me in the car. Yeah. Trying to remember some of my kids' names sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> We're good. Okay, man. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, the, 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 the. Ketchup on macaroni. Oh, God, no. Thank you. God, that's ridiculous. Right? In the words of Paul Eberhardt, if I'm not mistaken, uh, ketchup is for French fries, and that's it? It's uh, yes. not on hot dogs? He's very anti-hot yeah. dog as yeah. well. Wow. I have some buddies yeah. from Chicago who I, uh, I met them at a work thing 10 years ago. We stayed in good touch, went down to Wrigley a couple years ago, and I've told them, I said, when I see the video of both of you saying word for word, O Canada, I will never put ketchup on a hot dog again. Because when we went down and I got to go to Wrigley, they, one of the games was the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. So it was about 50-50 Cubs fans, Blue Jay fans, because a, a lot of Cubs fans probably made enough that paid for two-thirds of their season tickets for what they sold for the Blue Jays series, right? Right. And they sang both anthem, anthems, obviously. Well, first of all, Don Cherry did the stretch, and these guys were like, who the heck is that guy? I was like, oh, never mind. And... Uh, <laughs> All the Canadians sang the American anthem. They couldn't believe it. And I said, okay, your turn. And they... <laughs> and I said, all right. Next, When you... When I see that, 
No more ketchup on my hot dog. So now every time I have a hot dog and I, I take a video and I put ketchup all over it and I text it to them and they get completely offended. And I know Eve is oh, yeah. very defensive about that as well. Ketchup is the condiment from hell. It really... Wow! I hope Dom Zimmerman is not listening to this. Dominic song. Zimmerman is not you know, in a grave, but he's rolling right now because yeah. that man puts... I think yeah. he bathes in it. Like, yeah. yeah. Banana ketchup. Not not that not that red red Filipino one, <laughs> man. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> not that stuff. I'm talking about the real banana ketchup. Ooh, gorgeous. No idea, Corbs. You got to. All right. Yeah. But I no mean, to the ketchup on macaroni. Thank you. No, for that. absolutely yeah. not. Mavis loved that answer. Mavis loves that answer. Who is the greatest player of all time? Basketball. You know, I get you gotta go Jordan, but I'm telling you, I don't know why Kareem gets left out of this over and over and over again. The and trivia, right? The one question was like his MVPs. Remember, he has six MVPs. Yeah, yeah. leading scorer all time. all time. Yeah, and yeah. like win, Keep win, win, yeah. win, win, win. Yeah. Now uh, then, uh, but when I was a little kid, why do you think he gets left out? Oh, because of the because it's the it's sullen the sullen Mister Jabbar, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, and I don't know if you've ever like he's just a magnificent writer, and yes. he's like he's an oh my goodness, man. oh yeah. unbelievable, just a great great writer. Yeah, um, the, the um, I think the, the other is of course as as a kid, mm-hmm. um, Chamberlain. I mean, wow, Wilt was everything uh, when I was a kid. Now. When I was in high school, Dr. J and Kevin Woods, who's from um, Virginia, okay. uh, he grew up watching the Squires and Dr. J. Mm. And he said that in the NBA, that's not Dr. J. He was just unbelievable in the ABA. Really? Yeah. Hey? Like he said, it's a, like he was an old man Main in day. the NBA. Really? Yeah. So, uh, I. Yeah, yeah. And nope. Those four guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean. Oh, and it's all generational. That's the oh, biggest thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, the, none of our kids playing for us today. They never yeah. saw Jordan play. No. I exactly. Know, you know, they, they just go on and on about, I don't know. Yeah. Chris Paul or somebody. I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> you just kind of shake your head and go, really? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So. Um, what uh, what music platform do you use, or is it record player? <laughs> eight, eight track, eight track, baby. Eight track. White walls. Let's eight go. Right yeah. Uh, and for, I mean, I've got. Um, what are you listening to? What oh, you got? well, right yeah. now. Um, oh, for you hip hop fans, uh, the Streets uh, released their. He, he released his first new uh, CD in eight years uh, two weeks ago. And it's it's nice. He's got a lot of. You have no idea who the streets are. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Jeez. Yeah, you call yourself. It's gone. Uh, um, English, grime. Really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, if we're in that in that mode, uh, Stormzy's new CD is outstanding. Um, There you go. He, that's him with the kid from Australia, Tam Palahir, or whatever the hell his Pimala? name is. Yeah, 
that's that's who that is with. I talk to the choir kid. Talk me. to the yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's you know in that hip hop. But really, what I'm listening to is uh, um, uh, Phoebe Bridges' new CD is just outrageously good, and Gordy's new CD. But you have no idea. No, but I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, this is actually very interesting. Uh, Gordy uh, is a young woman. That's just her stage name. Yeah, um, and she's a doctor in Victoria. Right, right now, and she's the head of the uh, the COVID um, in the ICU. Really, that's what her and uh, she's uh, she's described as uh, electronic folk. Mm. I, I think she's outstanding. There she's go. only got two things out, uh, but anyway. There you go, Corbs. You got some work to do. He'll do, yeah. some, he'll do some clips in there. Yeah, I'll throw some stuff in. There. Um, greatest player you played against? Okay, well, or with, or with, sure. Okay. Well, you know, you're trying to take control of the podcast now. Hey, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. all right. Well, hey, yeah. I've been here. If you for talk a... for two hours, you get to take <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've got to say, and a lot of people will be uh, shocked by this, but uh, Leo Routens, when he was 18 years old, and he was all world before he'd had his 400 knee operations. Yeah. I mean, man, uh, legit. Hey. <sighs> I saw him dunk from behind the backboard in a game, and he he could do everything uh, at the time. Yeah. Um, And uh, needless to say, I mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, Eugene Banks and those guys. And when I was at Kentucky, I mean, like every night it was, uh, you know, Dan Issel. Oh, my God. Running into Dan Issel was like running into a wall. He was – and Kyle Macy. Um, So was Leo – he was a top 20 pick, right? I'm not sure, but he transferred a number of times. He actually went to Marshall to play. First round, 17th overall. 17th overall. By Philly. Okay. Yeah. Now, he he originally went to Marshall to play for Coach Aberdeen. Okay. And then Coach Aberdeen died, and uh, he transferred then to Minnesota. And then he left Minnesota and went to Syracuse. Oh, okay. Yeah. So So he he moves around. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the other hand. uh, Maybe he'll unblock me on Twitter now if we name drop him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. Really? You blocked? Yeah, I think I said something about his uh, announcing one day, and I don't think he liked it. He he blocked me. Yeah, he stole stole, uh, Gil Chung's. Jacket. Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> we know that story. Yeah. Too. Um, Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about that. It was by mistake. Yeah. It was. Honest. Yeah. It was an honest mistake. Yeah. Um, now, on the other hand, you know, Mickey was absolutely incredible. But you know, I mentioned all those guys from Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I used to play one on one with Walter Davis night after night after night wow. at a basketball camp. Um, you know, I mean, there's just so many. What I are just- you rocking? Like the Chuck Taylors? No, I, I I didn't. The last time I wore Chuck Taylors was probably grade nine. Oh. No, uh, pro models, the ah, like the old school yes. pro models, and then uh, Doctor J's. Yeah. Um, now, did you ever wear weapons? Con weapons? Con, no. Like the magic Converse weapons? No. Uh, no. No. That's no. That's after my yeah, time. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so I was trying to. Yeah. I mean, I, I I I was a sneaker. And I had ponies. Ponies yeah, of were course. They, they Spud Webb sponsored. They, oh, really? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. They uh, if you could keep them clean. If mm-hmm. you couldn't keep them clean, they were like ice skates. Uh, <laughs> they were just horrible. Um, but uh, that's just how old I am. Um, <laughs> the original like Nikes yep. long before yep. Jordan. Needless to say, yeah, yeah. And uh, we, oh, co- coach, he was he was a Nike guy, and like we just like got a pair every day for nice. God's sake. Oh yeah, we just stacks of them. 
Um, probably needed them. They probably only lasted every three weeks, right? Oh, yeah. they, they were some of them. Uh, now, it's so funny. I was I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, I actually, uh, in grade seven, I actually wore pro keds. You probably don't. Yes, I know what pro keds are. Oh, sweet. <laughs> they weighed about 400 pounds each. <laughs> and, oh, that was, of course, that was when they, they came out with the suede converse. Yeah, okay. That, that, that were scientifically improved. They only wore, weighed 300 pounds yeah. each. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Um, so good for the calves, though, in your vertical, right? It's like <laughs> they but were it, jump shoes before jump training shoes, yeah. It, it's amazing that pro models are still I know. out there and the same, the same. Um, Does that make you feel good or old? Um, uh, six of one, half a dozen <laughs> of the other. My dad says uh, that too. Says, Dr. Yeah. J's, though, man, yeah. Dr. J's were sweet. Nice. They yeah. were a little bit of color at the top by the ankle there. Yes, with indeed. The star. Yeah, Just yeah. a pinch, yeah. but with that, that hardcore star. Yeah. Now, there's, I wish I could find this. Mm. The yearbook for whatever year it would be 78, 79, Kobe. It's the Converse yearbook, yeah. and Dr. J's on the cover. Yeah, uh, Kobe's inside. Yeah, page six, page eight, something like that. Yeah, in Joe's arms, just brand newborn. No way. And I'm on the back cover, or the back, the inside back cover. No way. For the number whatever, uh, the, I think the number seven high school in in Canada. You need to get. A I gotta find that. that. Yeah, you gotta I gotta find that. You got some digging to do. I, I I tried digging through that. You can't imagine how much stuff. Just sent that stuff that I sent yeah. to you. That's yeah. that's just from Howard, for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of it. <laughs> uh, the most important person in your life has been, and nobody can ever narrow it down to one. No, I mean you know, uh, and 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 who do you insult by not uh, saying you know. Your mom, it's your like dad, you your wife. Every, it's like a wedding. You yeah. can't invite everyone. Yeah. Well, just... Since it's Hoop's journey, you yeah. know, I, I, I got to say Coach Cotter and Coach Heaney are yep. the, the two most influential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, the Coach Cotter, the very first time I ever met him was I was in grade seven at basketball camp. And he said, um, you know, I'm probably only talking to one person here. And I want, you know, make it you. That you're going to work harder, you're going to set goals, you're going to accomplish those goals, so on and so forth. And I said to myself right then and there is that I'm going to be that one guy. Mm. I'm going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I went on into my career. And so I tell I used to go around to all the elementary schools in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so some young kid in grade six at I. Th- think nightingale or dickens elementary school one of the two and i told that too and i and i said and i want one of you to be that person i want you to set a goal and uh, you know i want you to be that person that you you listened to me and you went from there mm-hmm. and x amount of years later uh james lum says i was going to take tupper to provincials for the first time in the history of the school nice. and i did it and you told me if there's one person in the room, I want to be that person. And awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's good stuff right there. Yeah. Love um, it. and I mean, you know, uh, I, I, we started this, uh, a couple of minutes ago where I mentioned about, uh, Pat, um, Pat organized a celebration for me this mm-hmm. year. And, uh, 
it was like player after player after player came up and gave speech after speech mm-hmm. about you know I was you know I had no parents I'm in jail nobody knows the troubles and and when just player after player came up and and, and talked about that you know somebody said I can do anything I want to do and I said okay great and I off I went um and uh you know the, the, when you talk about what payment well damn uh you know it's in the words of uh George Bailey and it's a wonderful life well I was the richest man in East Vancouver that night I mean like wow like it was just story after story yeah. from kid and uh it just wow richest man in East Van that's awesome <laughs> I guess 16 years isn't enough to get a night for me, but that's cool. <laughs> you got $3.85. You're snacking on the way home here. You're like, oh, I got to get a bag of chips. What bag of chips are you getting? <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, no, just give it some thought. Okay, well, I, you get uh, a top two, a top three that you're like rotate through. Well, you know something that they have <laughs> on the East Coast that they don't have out here? Roast chicken. Roast chicken chips? <laughs> yeah. What? They got them on the East Coast. The Maritimes, it's right up there with Dulce. You got someone out there you can, you know, mail, mail a couple bags still? out or what? I don't know. I yeah. mean, you know, hey, hey, you, you got the, the, the World Wide Web <coughs> there. Coast Look people, it up. East Coast people, <coughs> anyone, hit us yeah. up in the DMs. Yeah, I think roast uh, chicken. Okay. McCain's, Old Dutch, something along that line, you know. Old Dutch what? Just Old salt. Dutch, no, Old oh. Dutch potato chips, I think. Oh, no, they got that here, too, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Mm. But, like, okay, so we, we don't have roast chicken here. Okay, okay, so what's it, second choice? Mm. Um, sour cream and onion? Uh, mm. uh. You don't like chips? Not a big, well, yeah. well, it's like everybody else. You uh, put them in front, in front of, of me, me and I'll eat them. It's game but, over, yeah. you know, I don't run to the store and popcorn. There you go. That uh, yeah, I'm a popcorn guy. There you go. <laughs> it's his world. We're just living in it, corpse. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you for your time, man. This has been amazing. But last question before we go is, if you could do it all again, you would. Oh, absolutely. I would do it. Absolutely. Or is there some particular event that no? You know, oh, like, abs- uh, would you change anything? Are you? Happy with the mistakes you've made, the successes you've had, the things you've learned along the way. You know, I think a lot of people use that term regret or whatever, but it's, I, I look at it as like just growth, right? So yeah. if you could do it all again, you would you'd do it all again? Um, That's a part, yeah. We have part two. Yeah. Really yeah. does it all again podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's questionable. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I think, I think you know, I've, w- there's no way for me at 42 that I'm going to sit here and look you in the eye and say, like, there's not things I wouldn't change. But I think you have a platform now in which the kids that you're coaching, you're not telling them directly, hey, this is something maybe I did when I was 15. You should not. But your words and actions are telling them that, if that yeah. makes sense, right? Yeah. And I think so, yeah, would you go back and change a few things? Probably we might. Mm. But for what? Well, yeah. Um, you exa- live in East Van, you have a wife, you have a family, you have an extended Tupper family. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. what you so, did got you somewhere. I'm changing my mind. No, yeah. I would not change anything. <laughs> Jeez, thank God you explained it to me. Well, no, um, I think your answer is great. You would do it all again. Yeah. 
like if you were to just go back and then be like yeah sitting in the same chair yeah yeah awesome Corbs anything else before we let him go no just thank you for your time and it was awesome any last kind of comments, questions, some shout-outs to some people you didn't get the opportunity to shout out? <sighs> last thoughts. This was a great one. We were. This is exactly why, because doing this online was like a challenge because, you know, we're, we're talking with people in other places or you're not sure if they're done a sentence and you don't want to cut mm-hmm. them off because it mismatches and just to be in the same room and, like, look each other in the eye and have a conversation is cool. So... If you have I, any last kind of things I, before you want to, I guess the the, the bi- real big thing is is that the the idea of coaching, mm-hmm. uh, of being a coach, and uh, it's like, you know, thinking about somebody like Rich Goulet mm-hmm. and what he has given to STM, Pitt Meadows, basketball in BC in general, mm-hmm. like in general. I mean, how many years did he coach with the provincial team? How many years did he run center of performance? Like, the list just goes on and team on. Camp. Team Oh, my God, right? that team camp. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, all the grade of, eight provincials. The, the, yeah. the grade nine? <laughs> yeah. No, no, the no, somebody, no, somebody no. else does yeah. that. Yeah. Like, Rob, um, Rob Slavic. Rob, yeah. Rob Slavic does the nines. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, th- that's incredible. Somebody like Eves, where, I mean, he's an even he's no longer even involved in high school basketball per mm-hmm. se. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the time and energy he devotes to it. And that's just a couple of guys. You know, one of my mentors when I first got back into coaching was Tom Tagami. Tom Tagami was so helpful to me. Mm-hmm. I, I could not, like, I, I can't, I cannot thank him enough. Because I was able to use him as a sounding board and say... Well, Tom, geez, what's the story here? Um, like, yep. do, do, do you get gas money? Like, yeah, yeah. How, how do I get my team out to mission? Yeah. Well, you get on highway number one and out you go. And, um, well, and even still him and Ted Kuzik putting time into the website, kind of ahead of their times, which is scary to think of, right? Wow. Jump into the internet and then providing a resource where you don't have to wait to see a score. You can find out information. You can look at a roster. And I think that's really helped us take a step forward in BC basketball as well. Still in their own little way, still giving back when they don't have to. Exactly. And I know so many people laugh at me and they, uh, at every AGM, whether it be the Vancouver one, the sea to sky one, or the provincial one where I get up and I say, would you guys use that website? Would you put your stats up on it, your kids' stats? Mm. And then, you know, like famously I was told, well, that's how people could recruit us. Mm. It's a high school basketball game. If yeah. you can't quite figure out the kid who's dunking on you yeah. over and over and over again, <laughs> maybe you should guard him or the kid fired up three after three. I got the sneaking suspicion you should put a little more pressure on that kid. What do you mean people re- will uh, you know, scout. scout us that yeah. way? I, mean, I guess because I've had so many players whose relatives don't live in Canada. Mm. And it's just like, Wow. Uh, auntie and uncle you know so and so wherever yeah there's there's my picture there's my stats this is what's, what's going on mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I i wish more teams would use it for goodness sakes it's it's yeah. a tool for god's sakes and then, you know everyone says well i don't know how to do it really you know what they're called managers and yeah. then everybody that tells me oh well, we don't keep stats really mm. so how does that kid go to the provincial tryouts and how many you know and you know they've got know their bio, yeah, their their entire bio, every stat imaginable. <laughs> Plus, I can't. Uh, and here, here, here's a good lesson for all you kids that play at other schools. 
don't say anything mean to me or act like an asshole in front of me because I get so many emails and phone calls from coaches on the East, mm. from Ontario, right on through. Tell me about so-and-so. He mm. says he's the best player in the province. And I have to mm. point out to them that, yeah, um, he says he's six foot one and he's the tallest guy on the court. Yeah, um, I'm glad he's ripping everybody up. Huh? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Think about that for a <laughs> second. Well, um, that's a huge thing. I know you're saying it sarcastically, but just how to treat people well and don't yeah. burn bridges and be classy. You never know who's looking. You never know the connections. I bet the kids that play against you don't even know you're from the east coast they just assume that you're born and raised here which is a bad thing that bc people do but you know it, well the news flash there's people from all other all over our country that live in british columbia and the connections you haven't made it's just one phone call that says yep or nope because so and so we played them last night and i thought they were a really good kid but they were a total jackass and i would never want to coach that kid for five years <laughs> Right? Like, it's just, it's that quick, right? Kid walks up to me, whether they're, you know, inbounding the ball and looks at me and goes, why don't you sit down? Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, on that note, I've got to say, um, Coach Aberdeen, mm. uh, when he was first coaching the, uh, the revitalized the Canadian Olympic team. Now, this is the early 60s. Uh, mm. And there's a great story about a BC player who's inducted into the BC Hall of Fame in a book about they're playing in Argentina and they're playing outdoors in a soccer in a soccer stadium on a court that's down and uh, it's so cold that they got barrels around the court burning wood in them to keep them warm and they give the players blankets to keep warm and they're throwing coins at them so uh, all the older guys are going to know exactly who i'm talking about his his last name starts with b anyway it's in the story of the history of bc basketball this story uh and coach aberdeen told them take those blankets and you put them in that oil drum and burn them we don't need no stinking blankets. <laughs> anyway, when Coach Aberdeen had to co uh, pick the national team, he was stuck in the last two players, 12 and 13. Who am I going to take? Who am I going to take? And I tell my kids this story all the time, mm. that just because you're a teenager doesn't mean your bedroom's supposed to be a, you know, a science experiment with God knows what's growing underneath it and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Coach Aberdeen picked the 12th member of the Canadian national team by he went to the dorm rooms. And one of them, the bed was made, and the other one was a complete and utter mess. Wow. And many years ago, picking the, uh, the provincial team, the under-17 team, making the, this is the afternoon, we got mm -hmm. one cut to make. And mm -hmm. we sit back, and everybody eats their lunch and returns their trays to the, the the bin or whatever. Yep. The kid who didn't return his tray got cut. You know, and it's he's good in the van. <laughs> mm. Yep. You know. Um. So there. You got it, man. That's my last story. Unless I got more, but anyway, I, I got, got a lot. Of I got a piece so bad. We've been okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I love it, man. And I and I think you touch on a huge thing, and I've talked about it as. You know who are who are the Jeff Gurleys and who are the Rich Goulets and and who are the Eberharts and that doesn't mean that they have to do exactly what they've done but who are the young people coming up through basketball that feel the need and want to give back to the game and not always for a financial benefit but for just for the good of the game um, because our high schools need people like you um, because you're creating memories and and creating relationships for people and experiences that 
there's nothing a textbook can teach those kids. There's nothing a teacher standing there um, can lecture them about, right? The, the stuff that you're teaching those kids at Tupper will last a lifetime. And I'm grateful for our relationship and our friendship. We keep in touch all the time and um, got to know you and your family. And, and I appreciate that and, and, and hold you in high regard for who you are and what you do. And I always was blown away um, the first year chancellor. You, you know, you roll up with your glasses halfway down your nose because <laughs> if anyone knows, seen Coach Gurley's phone, he's got font. It, it takes him four minutes to read a five-word text because his font is so big. Um, it's uh, Pit Med- that, that font is Pitt Meadows letter jacket. That, yes. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, and and he says, how much is the tournament? So I tell him, and he opens his personal work checkbook, right? And, like, people don't know that. He probably doesn't want me to share that, but, like, He's not asking Tupper for money. He's taking the money to pay for the Chancellor tournament from his business because he knows that it's a good experience for his kids. And uh, that's why I appreciate and respect you. So thanks for being with us, man. You're a great human being. And uh, this is going to be one of the one of the better ones for sure. Well, as Mr. Barnum and Bailey would say, you know, you can, there's a sucker born every minute. <laughs> <laughs> Another fooled. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you. You know, again, um, we've developed this re- relationship over, you know, and my God, it, it's getting up there, isn't it? It's been long enough now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's getting up there. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're on the same page. I, I think that's the interesting thing. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 I tell this to the kids all the time. Mm. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. We lost a basketball game, mm-hmm. but the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And uh, it's hard to convince that ki- those kids when you lose in the provincial final or, you know, in the semifinals and so on and so forth. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, I hear back from kid after kid over the years saying, thank you. And mm-hmm. uh, the sun came up, you yeah. know, when they have other very traumatic things happen in their lives. Yeah. You know, the sun did come up. Thanks, Coach. For sure. So anyway. Couldn't end it any better. Thanks right. again. Shout out to our sponsors, Good Lad and Parkside Brewery. An amazing episode here. So many takeaways. I feel like many of you will have to go through this a couple of times to get the jokes, the humor, and the lessons. Be good to each other, and we will see you on our next episode. Mm-hmm.